everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 166th episode of the podcast, airing January 17th, 2024. Now, in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome back once again, special guest Nicholas Polimonakos to the podcast. And in this episode, you're going to hear all about Aquarius season 2024, where Nicholas and I give an in-depth look at the zodiacal vibes of Aquarius as a whole and how this year's solar transit through the sign of the water bearer will be one to remember. Now, you may remember that Nicholas previously joined me for the Pluto and Aquarius episode last year, which was definitely full of meaty goodness about what we think to expect for that transit. Uh, and so if you haven't listened to that, definitely give that a check out. But it felt only fitting to bring him back for the season where Pluto makes its second ingress into the sign of fixed air. So get out your chart and hone in on your Aquarius house as we deep dive into what has the potential to be life-changing astrology. Now, to follow along as we step through the charts, you can tune into a video version of this episode on YouTube. And as always, if you would like to support this program, come on over to energeticprinciples.com where you can book a personal consultation or you can leave a tip in my tip jar. You can also sign up for my monthly transit newsletter, The Heavenly Wind. All right, so who is ready to hear all about Aquarius season 2024? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Energetic Principles podcast. We have uh, a, a special guest back with us here today. Uh, we have Nicholas Polimonakos joining me to talk all about Aquarius season. I'm so excited about that. So much to talk about. So thanks for joining me again, Nicholas. Thanks for having me on again, Mal. It's good to see you. I'm also excited for Aquarius season. Um, got some interesting storylines <laughs> and transits. I'm ready. We're ready. We're ready. And I am just going to state this up front, out the gate, that we are recording this on the day that Mercury squares Neptune. <laughs> so what did you flow. just say? What does that I mean? I know. What, did the, what does that mean? That's what, what that means. That means yeah. that if we fall into a comatose state and need a nap, that could happen. If we lose our train of thought because, well of anything <laughs> that could happen. Or we could be yeah. insanely brilliant because we're tapping into the ethereal spheres that don't normally get accessed and we see behind the veil and then we reveal to you something that you probably don't want to know. <laughs> whoa, whoa, no, yeah, not whoa, yeah, I dig that, I dig that. We could turn into cult leaders and stand on our soapbox and, and profess our philosophy, our truth, that so, is the all-encompassing truth. And we will sell it to you in the most charming, seductive way. Doesn't it sound great? It does sound great. And I actually do have one of those soapbox moments in my back pocket. So be, uh, okay. be ready. Be ready. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's our third time out the gate with the, uh, not out the gate. We're, we went out the gate. We came back in the gate. And then we're going out again because of Mercury's retrograde. So we've all had a lot of Mercury Neptune. And by the time this is released, you know, Mercury will be in, in Capricorn. And these days will be over. But know that the, the fog is upon this program. Yeah. So let's do this podcast. 
So let's do this podcast. Yeah, we were just talking about how us as astrologers, not just Nicholas and I, but uh, many astrologers that we know seem to uh, schedule the most inappropriate things <laughs> during the most, uh, you know, the transits that we warn everybody else about. We decide, yeah, let's do it then. Um, yeah. It's the backstage talk of the astrology world. It's like, you have conversations with astrologers, colleagues. It's not online. Like it's, it's on chat or on the phone or you're at a conference. And these are the actual things you start to talk about, like the real, the the, the workings behind the scenes and, and like that show you truly how human and faulty that you are. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, and maybe that's something that we should be more forward about here as astrologers in the future. That, yeah. that we're human. human, don't know it all. Try to look ahead. We're just trying to help trying to help. Yeah. But, you know, so, well, before we get started here, actually, Nicholas was on the program not too long ago for Virgo season. Um, and I always love talking to him. So it's no surprise that I have invited him back earlier than most guests. Uh, and we also, you know, that Aquarius season is going to have a lot of Pluto. And we did a Pluto episode uh, for Pluto and Aquarius, the two of us, along with uh, Elodie St. Angebu. And which was a fabulous episode. If you haven't seen, we will tag that here somewhere here and somewhere at the end and probably in the comments. So you can come revisit that episode. But uh, needless to say, I had to bring Nicholas back because you got so much Aquarius that I just need to hear it from the horse's mouth. What are we to expect? Uh, but if you missed all that, if you're new to this program, if you're new to me, if you're new to Nicholas, share. I know you're human. I know that's the number one thing about you, but share a little bit about yourself. What do the people need to know? Yeah, I woke up this morning and I, I realized, yeah, I am human. Uh, it didn't seem that way in my dream last night. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe is that Mercury-Neptune thing happening? Uh, I'm an astrologer, professional astrologer for maybe 15 years. I've been studying for double of that, I could say now. Um, I live in the Portland, Oregon area. I've been involved in the astrology community in many different ways, from conferences to helping out behind the scenes and things. And most importantly, um, I have a one-on-one -on -one practice uh, that I love. And I love working with people. And I also love YouTube. And so uh, I have a YouTube channel, Sparkles of Gold. And, um, and yeah, that's who I am today, right today. at this moment. Today, because with any mutable person, it's always changing. <laughs> it's always changing. So, hmm, hmm. Well, we got so much to talk about. Where do we begin? I'm like, there's, okay. So if you listen to the last episode, um, well, I mean the year ahead that I did with Gray Crawford, which is the, the marathon of podcasts, uh, rivaling the astrology podcast. <laughs> yeah, you two are famous for the yearly. I gotta say, if I think of any yearly podcast that's out there or whatever, I have to I have to think the first thing that comes into mind is you and Gray, because you have a tradition now with Gray doing this. So a tradition. Yeah. It's um I just can't wait to get through the year so we can do another one. <laughs> <laughs> um but if you had listened to that or you listened to Shu and I talk about Capricorn season, you know one of the big defining features of this Aquarius season this year is the fact that Pluto is moving in 
at the same time as the sun and making a conjunction in Capricorn right before both ingress into Aquarius season. So we're going to have a little bit, and I use little bit very lightly, <laughs> we're going to have a massive um, just moment when Aquarius season starts. But before we get into any of that, I just want to pull it, pull all the layers back. And I just want to ask, ask you, Nicholas, as the one of the Aquarius aficionados that I know, what is that sign about? <laughs> what's what's the purpose? What's the energy? You know, besides besides being a bunch of weirdos, uh, and I could say that, and just just so people know, you know, I'm a Gemini Sun, but I have Moon, Mars, and my North Node. You take Investa into account, Astro is all in Aquarius, so uh, to the top of my chart. So it is a big part of who I am, and very prominent, uh, to be clear. But, um. Funny, the first word I, I think of is original mm. or, you know, in the process of what being original is with Aquarius. And, you know, I think traditionally we all fall into categories and lines that will stand in somewhere. We're standing in a line. And I think Aquarius does stand in the line until a, a, until a certain point. And there is a instinctual need to break off from let's say the normal line and in a sense to do something else to do something original right and so it's one thing i was thinking about last night about not just how i do this but this kind of feeling certain points of still needing stability and structure because it's a saturn ruled sign at the same time needing to break off from that mm. And to uh, it be independent and original. So those are the first couple of things that come into my world mm. when we talk about Aquarius. So when I'm like looking at a line, it's like you can tell the Aquarius because they have stepped out of the line to maybe look ahead <laughs> to see what's coming or how long it's going to take to be in that line. You can always identify an Aquarius in a picture. In the photograph, they will be the one that is sort of the farthest from the group. And there'll be a bit of space in between everyone else. I noticed that in my uh, in, in a band that I had. It was a three-piece. And one of the guitar player, she was an Aquarius. And in every single picture, me and the Leo, the Cancer and the Leo, would just be huddled up, you know, doing our thing. And then the Aquarius would just all the way over here, you know, just looking cool. And <laughs> yeah, the, the detached. There's the other word, the detachment. The you know, other times, other times too, if they're not in their like, let's say, story, like if we think about a long term story, they haven't jumped out of the line yet, right? Mm. So they're there, but you're looking at the line in a group photo, but there's already signatures of them stepping out. So their hair color is different, the clothes that they're wearing, they're kind of sort of mismatched, the colors are different. You know, there's something different and odd and abstract, mm. even standing in the normal line. There's yeah. hints of that. And then a lot of times it's very blatant, right? Uh, like you said, they're, they're, they're out of the line and they've got their own line, their own path, their own story. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. so Yeah. And even if you don't see that, there's still something quirky or different about the energy that uh, maybe once you get to know you know, the, the person, you'll be like, oh, you know, they've got a way about them. They yes. <laughs> Yeah. They got away. Yeah, uh, and that's, I think the thing too here to to bring in is because it's an air sign 
And let, mm-hmm. let's say this too, because I think a lot of times when we see, you know, constellation artwork and stuff, you see a water bear, you see sometimes it's like a goddess, a woman, or kids carrying a jug and this water is coming out of the jug. They're pouring it back. Sometimes you see it on planet earth. They're pouring the water back on, um, on planet earth, whatever. And it's the tendency, if you didn't know anything, you're like, oh, they're a water sign. Yeah. A lot of people and, think that. Yeah, a lot of people, but it, it's it's an air sign. It's definitely about the mind and the story of the mind and the synthesis of what the mind is. And so bring all these characteristics we talked about of being abstract and eccentric and original and all that happening through the mind and, and what the mind does, uh, uh, what the mind takes in, and then what Aquarius does with that, let's say in their their creative scientific lab. And how they twist and turn and reconfigure in, um, in a sense, there comes as a more Saturnian crystallization and refinement here uh, of the mind and how they turn and, and change something for the better or something new. And in a sense, that's something new that they've taken in their lab and or changed or brought in something original and forward thinking is the water in that jug that we see. And that water is then given back or poured back onto planet Earth. And so we have the other part of Aquarius. It has to do, we talked about the individuality and the need to, to break free and to be independent. But at the same time, by being that, you're also, and they are also wanting to put a forward, a step forward in community and contribute that originality yeah. into community. Hence the knowledge they have and they give back that's forward and progressive thinking. So... Yeah. And it's forward and progressive because it's going in and taking the the scientific side of collecting all the data and the facts and what what already exists and how to uh, maybe move it and manipulate it and expand it in different ways, you know, like to move puzzle pieces around so that we get, uh, you know, the new technologies or the new scientific breakthroughs or reform what's broken, hopefully. <laughs> um, there is, they have the ability to take all that information and almost redistribute it in, in where the originality comes in and the uniqueness and prog- yeah, just progressive, progressive ways. Uh, but it still has the Saturn bent because you can't just be progress. I mean, sometimes we get an idea out of the blue where we're like, yeah, that's great. That's the next invention. That's, but a lot of times it's like you take in all the factors, all the stimulus, all the, you know, the constructs of what already is, and then it's all factored in to see what's missing or what could be better or, mm-hmm. um, you know, the tests, the tests that you have to do in science to come to the next conclusion or solve a problem. It, Etc. Yeah, I think even too, like what you're saying too, but like with Saturnian structures and discipline that comes through with that in, in, a, in an air sign like Aquarius that's fixed too. Gotta remember is that we're talking about a fixed yeah. sign here that there's a a a way of going about what you just said and and, and, a, and a structure. And even that structure itself and the discipline involved is could be different from the other ways people do things, yeah. even in that in itself at, at the root of it, right? But still, there is there is a sense of stability and a little bit of tradition still, I think, mm-hmm. with Aquarius. And I think a lot of times they have a internal battle or a story within the world because they're Saturnian-based people that the need because of the need for independence and then the one foot in with community, you ha- that means you have to deal with rules and the way community works. So it's a lot of times there's tradition and rules there. And it's the dance between that, you know. That that can be interesting for an Aquarius-based person, but yeah. 
I think that's where Saturn helps and where, where Saturn can come in and, and find a way to, um, I guess, go back and forth or to live both lives where they're still free. I guess in one sense, if there was a utopian society, everyone would be breaking free and living their most eccentric, authentic selves and contributing at the same time to the world. Utopian-wise, right? doesn't work that way. Yeah. But then the fixed mindset of the people not being able to deal with someone else's utopia. (laughs) Right. Which is very interesting what you just said. And maybe we could talk about later when we talk about the Pluto thing here, because something that just popped into my brain about, about that. So, yeah. So Saturn, 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 Saturn. So Saturn's in Pisces. So that's also a different flavor. Like in the last year, we had Aquarius season and Saturn was still in Aquarius. Uh, so that was extra Saturn-y. But now we got the Saturn and Pisces flavor, which we've always already experienced with the Capricorn energy. But how, I mean, how do you think that Saturn being in Pisces will play into this year's Aquarius season, but especially with all the Plutonian action. And maybe this is the question that should come after we talk about Pluto, but I'm throwing it out there now. (laughs) Yeah, no, I can understand. Maybe we do it after too, after when we talk, we see where we end up. But, you know, one thing I think about with Saturn and Pisces as of late is, you know, a lot of times, sometimes we deal in the more modern sense, we talk about fear, wherever Saturn is, there's fear, there's hesitancy, right? Mm -hmm. Someone doesn't know and, and they don't know how to do it there, right? And so there's a restriction, feels that way, or suppression mm-hmm. with Saturn. And I was thinking about what typically Pisces is and the journey it makes within itself emotionally is a water sign, a mutable water sign. And uh, we deal with places that are unknown emotionally, uh, deep emotions. But how Pisces, I think when it's dialed in and running on all cylinders, has a way of uh, the more modern new age uh, term of letting go, like this thing of surrendering into the all encompassing everything and nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. And how that could be spiritual or be, it's based out of compassion. But if I think sometimes about what Saturn is, Saturn might limit that actually, that someone is in fear of letting go, possibly yeah. uh, uh, a fear of letting go into this all encompassing something. Right. So that is one way I've been thinking about it lately, just kind of uh, meditating on mm. is that part. There's more to it, though. I don't, that's not the only way. It's yeah. just my, my thinking here. But no, I, I feel that. I feel that. There's definitely fear. It's not easy to let, let go. It is not easy to let go. And I think that's the, that is the, also the difficulty of Saturn and maybe the fear that's behind it, but also the fact that Saturn will back you into a corner. It will continue to put the pressure. It will continue to create the obstacle. It will continue to um, bring up the 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 inconvenience of the reality mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point where there's nowhere to go but to dissolve or let go or to get into a place of you know, uh, compassion for the situation, uh, and, or the person or yourself or, yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. It's a, it's a, just so complex. It's hard to even put in what that process looks like into words. Like we'd be like, oh, you know, you just gotta let go or you gotta, but the, what, what that means to each person is so different and requires so many different yeah. Um, spiritual yeah. and emotional processes that it's 
yeah, it's hard. It's hard to talk about. It's just, you have to live it. You know, I, I take, for instance, anybody right now who's going through the Saturn return here between 27, 30 years old, you know, it has Saturn and Pisces, not necessarily saying you don't know how to let it go and stuff, let's say, but if we, you know, remember one has to focus on the Pisces part of the chart yeah. where Saturn is, you know, if there's any other planets aspecting, but the other part of this, you know, is what Saturn also brings. We have to remember what starts could be with the fear and restriction and suppression is once someone understands or starts to, they know, have no choice but to play along with Saturn or go along with a Saturn story is the the other switch that could happen when once someone understands that. And that has to do with mastery, like mastery of something. And, and you know, that's what Saturn really is in the end a lot of times, whether Again, I don't wish the worst on anybody, but sometimes Saturn transits bring hard situations and you didn't choose it and it happens to you. You choose how to react to it and it's difficult. But if we can understand the mastery point of it all, then one maybe can master what it is to get to places of taking care of certain things in your daily life. And then let's say finding a period of time using tools and vessels to help you, quote unquote, let go. Right. And, and to find the mastery in that, you know, and so uh, just showing the other side of what I said, uh, we got the fear part or whatever. And then there's the mastery part. And any good Gemini would do. Let me paint you yes. the other picture. Yes. <laughs> the mutable thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel it. I was just telling Nicholas before we started recording uh, how I'm going through the Saturn opposition, which perfects in, in March because I got Saturn in Virgo. Um, on my north node. So Saturn's going to be on my south node and squaring my Mars. And I got a progress moon in Virgo right now on getting ready to go on the Saturn too. It's like a, you know, you know how astrology likes to work. It just loves to give you, you know, when it rains, it pours. And if I feel the Saturn, like I feel it, it it's, it's hard. It's, there's just a hardness there. There's, I, I was telling my partner the other day, I was like, I feel like I'm suffocating. I'm drowning. And there could be it, there could be external experiences for that, which there are. And there's people that are far worse off than where where I'm at or what I'm dealing with. But the magnitude of the emotional, like the feeling that comes with it, it's it's yeah, it's it's difficult. It's difficult. So Saturn, but I know there's a reward to the end of it. That's the whole beauty with Saturn. Like we can't get down on Saturn. I have learned to make Saturn my friend, especially Capricorn moon. You gotta, you gotta hang in there. You gotta do the work. You gotta, uh, because there, there is, there's always the reward at the other end of the difficulty. Yeah. And if even it doesn't seem like a reward reward, like we say, yeah, but like there the, is, yeah. the reward could be actual, the plain wisdom in itself of like lessons learned, you know, and, enlightenment. And, <laughs> yeah, totally. And I, and just, we got to, you know, give hope to people here because I, I, because a lot of the, the mythos and, and what comes along with Saturn, you know, the reputation. And so, you know, I mean, but to get back to like how you started about Pluto and Aquarius being ruled by the Saturn, Yes. I, you know, I also thinking too, that you're talking about an air sign, right? And then it's ruled by Saturn, which is going to be cold and dry, but then it's in Pisces. And then if we, let's say we have a scenario where we don't know how to let go or to let go into this, 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 uh, trust me, trust the universe type of mentality. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we're living in this society right now where there's so much coming at us informationally and it's connected to our work. 
social media and all these things is like, and then we talk about letting go, something like letting go, or relaxing or meditating or something like that. Things just start to fall on the Piscean realm of things. You know, you could see how it could be overwhelmed and be difficult to do that. But again, I think that's where one can turn in like, no, this is something I can master. I'm in this environment that we are now with Pluto coming into Aquarius and, and how do I uh, create a, a structure and system and, and, and can I master my schedule? Can I master the, the time I spent scrolling on an app and, and, and maybe take some other time to be creative yeah. in other ways, right? And that yeah. gives us a sense of letting go or decompressing or, or becoming one with something, right? Or just with ourselves, you know, with the ourselves. reconnection, yeah. the, the sea within. Yeah, I yes. think that's a, actually a very big component of just what you were just saying is the so much, so much flies at us constantly. I was like, can I just get a time machine back to 1985? Because I would take it in a, in a heartbeat. Yeah, I feel I, you. Yeah, I would. Uh, oh, gosh. But <clears throat> that's neither here or there because that's not happening. Maybe. Who knows? Somebody we can't roll things out with the air age. We might be going back in time. <laughs> yeah, you don't uh, know. I. That's true. I, I you literally it. don't know. Like you cannot. There is no. There is no knowing of what will be. There are well, inklings. Because, well, because <laughs> of technology and what has happened, though, the, I mean, we do go back in time. We we go watch mm -hmm. an '80s or a '90s video on YouTube. We look at Gen Z generation yeah. and parts millennial and Gen Z who are like, they will re like reciprocate or bring up or re-bring up stuff and trends from the 80s and 90s, right? And they're doing that with technology. They're going back in the past and bringing it to now. In one sense, it is a form of going back and forth of time travel, you know? That's true. I, I, it's interesting with all this. I, I think one thing I will say here, I, I want to say the last thing is I, we can't forget um, our emotional body. And, and I, 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 I'm, you know, I look at the benefits of any transit or any planet in a sign. But if we talk about something that Saturn being can be somewhat restrictive, let's say in Piscean archetypes, could be. And then we got Pluto and Aquarius, which could be very, yeah, we talk about the renewal and transformation, but it's an air sign. I don't hear anything. I don't feel anything. Literally, don't feel anything. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, that's an important thing here to remember what it is to feel something. And it's not the thinking you think you feel. It's more like, what is your body telling you? You know, if I were to take it another step further, it's like, we look, we're looking at Saturn and Pisces as the ruler of Pluto and Aquarius. Then we go look at what's ruling Pisces right now, right? So we will go to Jupiter, which yeah. is currently in Taurus. It's there until mm -hmm. the end of May. And so I'm more, you know, as for solution-based ways, or if we're talking about bringing in tools to bring it all together, it's the higher mind thing, there's this, the separation of that. How do we get back to ourselves? That thing, it's through body, it's through emotions. What are emotions telling you? Where it, your body is telling you what you're feeling. If you're, let's say, in your head about things. And I think culturally, I think where we are, we're really in our heads, you know, constantly so i this is something else i've been feeling feeling <laughs> i've been feeling that yeah that's that 
all the those soul. things, all yeah, those. No, box. I like, I've, part of me wants to insert my soapbox here, but I don't know if it's the right, I don't know if it's the right moment. I don't know. Leave if him hanging. Leave him hanging, Mel. He's got to yeah, yeah. bring up the mystery of the soapbox. The, the soapbox. Yeah. It's things that people don't want to hear. That's the thing. That's the, <laughs> it's, it's the, it's the inconvenient truth of what my soapbox is, but it definitely plays in Saturn and Pisces. It plays into Jupiter and Taurus. It plays into the Pluto coming into Aquarius and it plays into the Saturn square to Pluto that will be coming in years mm-hmm. uh, ahead. So we'll just continue to carry the mystery because maybe if I could put mystery and intrigue around it, when I actually share, it'll, it'll land better. <laughs> yeah. And I think mystery and intrigue is actually a part of a Plutonian story. It is. Right. So It is. So, well, that being said, We've talked a lot about Aquarius. We brought in some Saturn. We brought in some Pluto. I will state that, you know, when we'll look at the charts, maybe that's when we'll have our moment with the the Pluto conjunction, Um, Mm -hmm. uh, just for the interest of time. And sort of that air age that is really kicking off that that hashtag air age of what we're in, what we're in for. It sounds so um, ominous. Uh, But... That is, that's a big shift that's taking place here. We also have this season Uranus stations direct. That's that is big news because what that's going to do is all planets are going to be direct, and we're going to be in the you know the start the gun the starting gun of the uh, of the race you know kicks off and all every everything's moving forward. Um, any thoughts on that, Nicholas? Sort of that. You know. Yeah, you know, I while we're doing this uh heliacal rise today um who's heliacal rise it 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 blipped mars mars okay yeah basically if we go back to the conjunction that happened with the sun and mars and scorpio now mars Mm. is slowly here very slowly as we go through january starting to show itself then you have you mentioned about uranus moving forward uh mercury soon to almost be done here while we're doing this podcast to be, you know, getting out of the shadow space during the retrograde, right? Mm-hmm. So at that point, we have a lot of interesting factors that are uh, that point to moving forward, full steam ahead. You know, not having any retrograde planets, and then like Mercury starting to move fast, Venus is starting to move faster too. Yeah, and then Mars showing itself. So yeah, I, I um, yeah, you know, it just coincides to uh, with the beginning of the year too, of like beginnings or wanting to get things done or what yeah, are my goals this year? Yeah, um, let's get this party started. That's like yeah. the planetary party is uh, is is kicking off, and so I feel it's like a train that starts as it starts to go. You know, it's like and then it will yeah some people have been raring to go i think and i think there's there's other people who are not quite ready but i don't think they're gonna have a choice here they're gonna get thrown in the mix get on the train get on the train leaving the station it'll drag you with it if you don't um that's funny 
So, all right. So just a couple quick other overviews before we get into the charts, uh, just as far as the lunar seasons go, right? We have uh, a lot of Aquarius season is under the new moon in Capricorn, which happens to be squaring the nodes. So that is always a, a critical lunar cycle when we are at this sort of midway point between eclipses. It's sort of that that halfway, it's a halftime <laughs> um, of the game. Uh, we're going to have a full moon in Leo who's squaring Jupiter and we're going to have the new moon in Aquarius, which will be squaring Uranus, uh, which we know is, you know, stationing direct and we're going to have fixed quarters. Uh, so a lot of out of planet action with the lunations, of course, the square to the nodes, any thoughts on that, Nicholas, sort of the, the impact of that, of our, of any of these lunations, especially yeah, that I cap one. Yeah, I you know, I think we're dealing with little interesting stories that set up eclipse season, to be honest. Mm. Um, so I think there's that. But um I, again, I think this comes mixed with the 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 motion of going forward. And um I think the want and need to be fixated on that and to get things done and the start to do this, even if one doesn't have their map and vision in place or they do. I think some whenever we're doing something like starting to move forward, we we encounter little things along the way in the beginning part of the trip or the adjustments that we have to make, yeah. the you know, the, the little tweaks that we have to do, and but how we don't want to like fall off our goal and our vision. Let's mm -hmm. say how traditionally people are gonna think for the whole year. But I think all of it really is is like walking through a door, a new door, and whether someone knows it or not. What's on the next couple steps after the door is eclipse season. So first off, we're doing we, you know, we have a setup here uh, with all this. I think during Aquarius season. Uh, yeah. Now that that makes a little, it's it sets the scene. Yep. Setting the scene. So what else do we have? We got Mercury is going to be in Capricorn and Aquarius. We got Venus, who's primarily in Capricorn the entire season. Like it has like a, a blip of the end of Sagittarius and then a, a blip of the beginning of Aquarius, which will feel right at the end of Aquarius season when she she is the, the last of the brigade to conjoin Pluto. Uh, and then we have Mars and Capricorn and Aquarius. And as Nicholas had stated before, Mars is becoming stronger and stronger. So there is a very uh, hopefully efficient and productive Mars on the scene for a good amount of Aquarius season. Um, but do keep in mind, all three of these planets are going to conjunct Pluto. So we're 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 tagging hashtag Pluto on every <laughs> on every one of these transits here. Um, and the last thing I. Uh, I want to share is the fact that to bring the nodes back in that Chiron in Aries is getting closer and closer to a conjunction with the North node that will perfect at the very beginning of the Pisces ingress, but we're going to be feeling that culmination, uh, throughout February, um, well throughout Aquarius season, but it'll be exact in February. And so because we're not really going to talk about that, unless maybe there's a couple moments to bring it up, uh, any thoughts on Chiron in the North Node and <laughs> I have eyebrows raise? Well, yeah, I mean, first off, let's think it's, it was the end of the year of 2023 where Chiron stationed forward, like yeah. on its own retrograde. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then, you know, um, 
many of these Capricorn planets going into Capricorn and moving through here, like Mars being there right now, Mercury too, yeah. Venus, you know, they're all going to have their squares with Chiron yeah. on the way. So it's no joke when Capricorn's talking to Chiron and Aries and telling them to buck up and get serious. Mm. Uh, and that could be very sensitive for folks who are dealing with major Chiron and Aries transit. Uh, but again, I think this is a big setup for what happens in the springtime with mm, a major yeah. eclipse that's going to happen on Chiron on, with Chiron on April 8th. So, you know, that's there. I think a lot of people, if they're following the Chiron story are affected in, with Chiron and Aries in their own charts. I don't think this is new. I, I think you've been dealing with this mm. for a while. And, and the story of, um, I don't, one way I look at it is this wound itself and the integration of wounded itself with one's person and grabbing that wound itself and hugging them and bringing them close and tending to those wounds and also within that finding one's own um uh, an extra sense of will and power to with wounds to live proudly and, and to put still put oneself into the world even if you are so-called quote-unquote wounded you know I, I i think this journey has been going on for a while with chiron so you know we will take some some reality checks from planets and capricorn squaring it right and so to go back to your initial question about the conjunction with the North Node, let's, let us remember, we're going to be looking to Mars to help us understand this, wherever Mars is in the chart. And, you know, we got yeah. part of this here happening with Mars in Capricorn, mm -hmm. right? But then that, that transfer, that Saturnian handoff from Capricorn to Aquarius, I think is a big deal, actually, because I think it lets off a lot of the pressure from, from uh, Mars being an Earth sign and Capricorn squaring another cardinal sign in Aries. And then you have by sign after that, when Mars goes into Aquarius and the other planets going into Aquarius, by sign, you have fire and air and you have a natural sextile happening here. Yeah. So, yeah. But first, there's a reality check. Second, it opens up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. Just, uh, and we'll cover a couple of those dates with uh, the, especially the Mars venus action and when that might happen just so you could be aware like i feel like it's, like it's very important especially with planets like chiron to track the story because mm -hmm. there's we're still learning i mean chiron what 1977 is that when yeah, yeah it was you know brought into the sphere of us deciphering what does this thing mean um, and especially in this in the sign we've never even experienced the consciousness of what Chiron and Aries looks like in real time. So I'm always a big fan of being very um, aware of the influence in the moment so that we can really understand what the planet is bringing to the Sure. To I, you know, let me throw something in here, Mel, for those listening. I, I, you know, since it's new and I'm, I'm not the expert on Chiron, but the last year I have to say, I've been doing a lot more work two years because mm -hmm. I'm having a Chiron return. But, um, you know, lately some of the work that you can find online, or you might have to purchase of Jason Holly's work, uh, on Chiron, I, I recommend okay. people checking it out. Yeah. All right. I will do the same. You can't, you cannot go wrong with Jason Holly. Mm -hmm. That man is brilliant. All right. So I think, I think we have reached the beginning, the beginning, <laughs> we've reached the beginning of the step-by-step. -step. So if you're watching the video, we're going to share the uh, Astro Gold here. And all right, let me get, I'm trying to be more on it about annotating and 
showing what it is we're talking about. Because <laughs> if you're watching it and we're like, we're talking about this and this and this, and if you're not an expert at looking at charts, you'll be like, what is the, uh, what, uh? Mm -hmm. so trying to, trying to pull it on out here. All right. So if you look at uh, January 20th, 2024, 6.07 a.m. Pacific is when we have the official solar ingress into Aquarius. But of course, one of the most important things to point out is this Sun-Pluto conjunction here. So just hours before, not even hours, like minute, like it's, it is, it, the conjunction happens at 29 degrees and 59 minutes of Capricorn. Uh, and I do have to ask you, I mean, this is a podcast in itself, especially with your mind, but thoughts on a whole solar, you know, a synodic cycle with this last degree, last minute configuration in Capricorn. Well, for the Aquarius people out there, it's the last one like this, because pretty much, I mean, this time next year, we're not going to have to deal with Pluto being... 29 yeah. degrees Capricorn anymore and stuff. So, you know, it's an interesting in, uh, imprint here, I think. And um, the only way I can say this and use an example is politically. Mm. Like we have a major political year in the United States and other parts of the world, but it's an election year, you know. And think about everything that's happened since 2008 with the Pluto and, a Cap and Capricorn in the US and in the world dealing with structures and uh, and actions of control and the control of systems and laws and dogma and all that kind of stuff you know yeah. we still got we still have we're not through the portal really mm -mm. here no. fully and <laughs> we're talking about a very stubborn power power grabs and and people just holding on and what happens because of that and so you know it's one way to look at this um uh is that there's this imprint on for the Aquarian birthdays this year from a solar perspective. I mean, it's off the top of my head there. Um, yeah. Yeah. It'll be a very, it'll be a year for the books when it comes to the culmination of the Capricorn story and just society systems, corporations in general. Like someone was, uh, my partner was talking to a guy who was selling stuff on to offer off, uh, the other day and this guy uh what he does for a living is he sues the irs and he for people and he talks about how you know the, the our country is not a democracy it is a corporation and you like look at the government itself or you look at the uh states and every the government and all the states have you know they have their own ein number they have their own they have several you know, we are these entities of uh, of the the corporate system, and I think that this next year is going to bring more and more of this reality of which we already know exists. But how does it? How is it going to get to the point where it's so pressurized that it brings the the start of the change? And I think that's a big part of uh, Pluto moving into Aquarius because what what is going to get to the Pluto in Aquarius? <laughs> you know, dynamic. There's got to be the kickoff. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think to what you're saying, even though we think we've seen it all. Yes. <laughs> let's say in a Pluto in Capricorn type of way, and we're talking about Pluto, that's going to 
uh, have things, it's going to bring up and bubble up the poisons from underneath yes. to the surface. Just when we think we've seen all the poisons, I think we there's uh, there's even more exposed here this year. And, it, and I think it's exposed just by uh, the types of uh, situations that Pluto brings and deals with, you know, whether, whether it's, you know, control and ruth, ruthlessness, right? And, and certain things that, that, let's say, if we keep on the example of corporations and how their involvement in politics and government and so on and so forth, this is all over the world, you know, their hand on everything. And it's like, if someone hasn't seen the hand, they're going to see it this year. You know, they haven't exactly. seen it. So it's like, I think it, there's still like these, at least from the Pluto and Capricorn point of view of the final final things coming up that's exposed for all to see. Yeah. You know? uh, and if you haven't seen it, you've been feeling it. And maybe you make the connection to what you're feeling and, and that the byproduct of what you're feeling is because of these certain types of structures that are involved. And the people who are playing, they're on a chessboard mm -hmm. trying to work it, trying to manipulate it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, well, and so here's the thing is this is this is the positive side of the story in my mind it, with Pluto and Aquarius and and Chiron and Aries and the upcoming eclipse there is that we have the power. We always do. Our power is within our our choices, within our knowledge, within our information, within our actions and how every individual shows up in this world to contribute or to, um, you know, take part in the system itself. And so when we see, when we see this beast and we are either consumed by it, uh, or don't realize we are becoming consumed by it, this is the power of Pluto and Aquarius. This is the power of the, the wound of the, the Aries mission and being able to stand up as the independent individual self and make bold choices and make different choices, may take power away by make, making the right decisions with your money, making the right decisions with uh, your resources and where you get things. You know, this, this is, this is going to be the power of the future, but I think we have to boil it all up to to its um, you know absurdity. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's what it is. You know, situations like that to be seen. I I, I want to say here because I I think it gets into pure survival instinctual mode. If we go back to the Aries parts of things, and I think yeah. one has to make the choice and understand what they really can and cannot do, and and then what they can do that. Yeah. The, the focus. Now, I'm thinking too here, there are many people out there who are in powerless situations because of the byproducts of, of just how mm -hmm. things are run, governments and systems and all that. And they're not coming from places of privilege. You know, they're not able-bodied in many ways or, or many different things like that. So I also, you know, in a sense, have to give a shout out here because it's not so easy to even make the choice. That's true. The choices that you really want to make, you are not allowed to make. It's that on that level where you are so cornered in um, that you don't have that. And I think for a shout out to people like that is to know is if you can see where you are, which I think you do, you know where you are. But um, 
It's can you find others possibly that stand with you or are in the same position? And on a basic level, um, you're there together. And you can you take a next step? And that's all. I, I won't go any further than that. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times it's just pure survival mode for many. Yeah. And, and, and so, but, but is the, is the Plutonian door from, from one side to another coming through and going into Aquarius and, and this Chiron thing with the wound, like what does one then do with this sense of like, not just instinctual survival mode, but is, is there a next step taken and how can that happen for somebody uh, in a reality based way? You know, it, yeah. and so, and it doesn't have to be extravagant or big mm. or dramatic, you know, it could be just the mindset, you know? Well, and I think, I think what you're saying is you're, what you're saying is so valid and it really ties in to the Aries Aquarius, right? As Aries, as the individual, we all hold different privileges in life, and it's important to be aware of those privileges. And that's where the Aquarius component comes in, because the people that don't have those privileges or can't make those choices or, you know, pivot to make a, a better reality because of the oppressor in the system, the people that do have that need to be aware of that. That makes their decisions even more important. Because it's going to affect the people that have less power. So it's, it's it, I don't want to say it puts even more duty, but realizing the place and the potential that, I mean, there's potential here. Like, I don't want it to look like, you know, we're yeah. all succumbing to this thing. There's so much potential here. But it it's all about how we show up as individuals in the collective, realizing where we're at, what our privileges look like, and ma making a change. It's yeah. time to make a change. I, I don't know why. But once in <laughs> my life, gonna be real. I forget how the word. Gonna make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> gonna make it right. All right, enough. Uh, I don't know. He's a controversial figure too. So it's, we'll it's a really we'll good song. It's a good song though. It is a good that's, song. It's Man it's in a Mirror, a right? It's Man in a Mirror. Michael Jackson, Man in a Mirror. With the man in the mirror. Great lyrics. Yeah. I'm asking to change his ways. So yeah, we're just I, asking. I, yeah, we're just asking. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and again, I think we're, we're dealing with the, we're, we're in this interesting liminal space. Yes. Pluto and signs. And remember, everyone, this story and what's coming our way, it takes time, but it's pretty, it's mostly obvious yeah. after 29 degrees Capricorn what the what the deal is there isn't really anything that hidden some of these hidden things more might pop up this year but for the most part it's there right in front of us it's so, right in front of us the question is do we deny it <laughs> uh you know there's I feel like I feel like I've checked off one of my soap boxes I have done I've done the soapbox I've done the soapbox in a, like a generalized way like I was using my soapboxy energy to like make it very broad even though I have a specific axe to grind on my on my heart so that's just a little mm -hmm. we'll just keep going we'll just keep going no one going check check all right so Dun, dun, dun. First day of Aquarius season, got a lot going on because we have the sun. And as you can see from the chart, Pluto moves in that same day and we're living in a different reality. 
are we? <laughs> Maybe. Um, there's definitely a, a transition point. Uh, yeah, it was so fun. Then, it's like, yeah. I think on the, uh, the it was the 20th where I had the sun going to, to Aquarius. And I think it's like at 4.50 something PM Pacific that there's the actual yeah. Pluto sun conjunction in Aquarius uh, that happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. Well, it happens in Capricorn. That's the, that's the. Yes. Yes. Sorry. You're right. You're right. I was thinking when. When they're both when Pluto Aquarius. joins the Aquarius party, yes. thank you, thank you. That is that is later that day, um, around meal time here on the Pacific Coast. So you'll be eating your dinner and thinking, "Wow, Pluto and Aquarius." <laughs> oh my goodness! So so we get to sit in that for a little bit. We get to sit in that energy because, as you know, with aspects, it's not like oh we we cross the threshold and there it is. Now we feel those things for a handful of days on on either end. Uh, and there's something to be said about the sun meeting Pluto first and sort of entering, enter, uh, entering the Plutonian story so that Mercury, Mars, Venus can all get acquainted with what that looks like. So it's funny. Like we talk about, we talk about uh-huh. other planets when they go through the sun and how there is a letting go and like a, a, a quote unquote death and rebirth or washing away to its purity. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, we, you never, we never talk about this, like Pluto going to the sun. <laughs> Does that happen? You know? And, and I think overall, this is my opinion. I think sun is the sun. I don't care how it's true. What planet it is. If it's going through the sun if Pluto's going through the sun, there is some sort of, washing away or not washing away burning away yeah uh something here and and end of something and start of something you know with pluto here so even pluto gets torched by the sun here um and i like looking at it from that perspective you know yeah now even the underworld even the underworld gets a little little torchin. Yeah, the underworld just had like a big shot of sunlight hit the underworld. Everybody's scattering. Everybody's like, <laughs> like it's like the you know Nosferatu just hitting. Yeah. The- <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. Oh my goodness, I will be watching the, the news you need stories the sun. that day. You need the sun you for do. The, pom- the pomegranates to grow. That's right. That is right, and those pomegranates are tasty and in season. Um. So the next, the next sort of uh, thing to happen, other than the you know the moon's cruising along, we are going to get a full moon pretty early in the cycle, right? It's going to be at five degrees of Leo. But before we get there, we have Venus who moves into Capricorn on January twenty third. So we get a different Venus flavor, uh, which we know Venus, our gal, she's very important because she is the the ruler of that Jupiter uh, that is behind that Saturn, that is behind the Aquarius, right? Uh, and of course, Uranus, who's about to station direct uh, earlier uh, later in the season. So Venus making moves is important. Uh, and same for just relating in general and feeling harmony and joy in our lives. And so she's moving out of Sag and into Capricorn. So, uh, thoughts on Venus in Capricorn. What's what's her deal? Tradition, courting processes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, slow moving. Slow. Relations, as in what just happened in Sagittarius with a bunch of Mercury in, in Sagittarius squaring Neptune. I am, at this point, very happy to have... No planets in Sagittarius. I'm not trying to diss on the Sagittarius. I'm just you know saying. what? I'm with you. Yeah, uh, uh, we need some stability 
and some tradition here and, and a, a slow way of going about things that build that require trust, right? Um, and and so I like Venus and Capricorn, like especially right now, you know, with the transits that we've been dealing with. And, you know, remember any planet that's going to be in Capricorn is, is definitely going to make a connection to Jupiter in Taurus and then Uranus in Taurus too. Mm-hmm. Um, by by trine aspect. So yeah, a lot of earth energy happening here. And and speaking as someone whose partner is Venus and Capricorn, whew, that is the slow game. Like you gotta be in it. You gotta be yeah. in it for the long haul. You can't have no flighty moves or you can't give up or you gotta you gotta deal with the with the tests and the obstacles and the the distance and the <laughs> mm-hmm. but when they're in it, they're in it. Yeah. And Mars, Mars and Mercury, in the sense of plotted out a path here ahead for Venus and Capricorn, yep. you know, and they are doing that. So, um, yeah, I yeah. like it. I like. I this. like it too. I like it too. And she's the last of the party, right? Just because of the retrogrades and everything, she's kind of behind everyone. So she like she she like kind of like goes into the sign and starts to you know wrap it up into a nice little neat package to where we <laughs> it feels more like digestible and enjoyable and like okay mm-hmm. we're here. And practical. And pra- I like I like practical. I am all about some practicality. Yeah. So that brings us actually to our uh, full moon in Leo, which will happen on January 25th. It'll be a Thursday. It'll happen around 9.54 a.m. Pacific. Uh, and there is that Jupiterian energy. There's some Plutonian energy, of course, because the moon will oppose Pluto uh, before it makes that opposition, but we'll go on to make this square with Jupiter. I mean, squares to Jupiter. Always, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, you always like Jupiter energy, right? I mean, but squares <laughs> can really blow it up. Yeah, um, it's, um, I think we shouldn't underestimate the power of Jupiter here. In situations, it's not all candy. It's not all optimistic hope and bounty. You know, um, it, it it can inflame things and 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 magnify whatever it's touching, right? So, magnifying a Leo moon, a fiery moon. It's in a sense too a little bit of an aura, but it's not just the sun opposite the moon here. We got Pluto opposite the moon. Exactly. And so, you know, we have now off the bat after now Pluto being in Aquarius, off the bat we have an interesting you know, possibly dramatic situ- situations or lunation here. And, and, but, yeah. uh, for those watching on the screen, you circled a bunch of things, but the last couple of things you circled, the, the <laughs> connection that you made, which is to help some of this some is, help. but you, yeah, is Venus in Capricorn at two degrees, um, trining Jupiter and Taurus. So, yeah. So Venus, uh, I think Venus helps to maybe, smooth, <laughs> smooth some of the, uh, the magnitude of the energy. I mean, cause the, let's be real, like Leo moon, a full Leo moon can be dramatic. There's just Leo has drama. It has performance. It has huzzah <laughs> to it mm-hmm. a lot of times, but luckily I feel like Venus being in this position to try and, uh, to try and moving to a trine with Jupiter, moving to a sextile with Saturn, She's a little more cooled off now. Had had that had that been in Sagittarius, then you know, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. No. And I think you said it. You said words to start off your sense. Let's be real. <laughs> it's actually, that's what it is. I think with this Venus and Capricorn, like there could be drama going on. And it's like, okay, after everyone's blown off some steam, getting dramatic. And then it's like Venus and Capricorn. Like, okay, now let's be real. Let's just get down to business, you know? Yeah. Venus ain't going to show no tears here. We're not going to show any anxieties and stuff. And even if it, they're feeling it, you're not going to see it. Uh, mm. but they're going to be, like, let's get down to the real business of this all and how we're doing this. And yeah, luckily we have Jupiter and Saturn helping out. So yeah. Good. And so, so, you know, sometimes the heart just like has a moment where it explodes, where it's just like, I want this. I need this. This is what, whether it's with a partner, whether it's just with yourself, whether it's with society as a, a general. And I mean, you can only be in, in, inflamed for so long and you just, then you come up with solutions. You come up with ways to work together. You come, you get creative. Uh, you get the practical uh, about it. So I don't think it'll be, it actually can be very supportive with taking the intensity of the moment of what's being felt in that Leo area of your chart or even like the Leo Aquarius access and then finding ways to have real-time solutions and to work with it and not just have it be a drama moment that you move on from. It's not like, well, let's change something. Let's uh, open up to something different. Let's uh, bring something together that will uh, help, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I think that's I, – I really like what you said because we're dealing with foundational work here for a longer possible theme or yes. story or whatever, right? And and that's like so there isn't dramatic situations <laughs> eventually again. It's like, you know, to have this kind of stability built, but that takes focus. So yeah, I I, I like what you said. After everybody's blown off some steam, it, it, you know, it, that we get down to like the reality. Okay, this is what we need to do. Um, but I but there's something else in this chart that throws yeah. me a little. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're you're going there. I'm so. going there. I'm going there. <laughs> I'm going there. Yeah. But this is where the steam is, right? This is, we got, this is the steam. We got that, uh, well, we got two things, actually. We got Mars, look at those circles. I need to work on that. Then we got Mars squaring Chiron, which we ju just were talking about earlier with the Chiron mm -hmm. influence. Um, but we also have, which you can't really see in the chart, but Uranus is getting ready to station direct the following day. So, spoiler alert, uh, we have Mars you know, Mars and Mercury essentially are getting ready to try and Uranus too, but they're but it hits the Chiron first. Both Mercury and Mars, I guess we can include all Mercury in there. You can get in there too, buddy. There we go. So there's more of the explosion, but also the release. Like that's like something. It feels like something really comes to a head, but there's innovation or ways to work with it, practicalities, etc. Yeah, I think the initial thing a lot of times with anything fire can blow off really quick, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever fire sign it is here, we got Mars and Mercury together that are probably saying something here in a reality-based way, in a gut check way to Chiron and Aries. And Chiron and Aries, depending on what there is, where they are in that story, can get super sensitive and, and pop off basically because of what Mars and Mercury and Capricorn is saying to them or bringing to them, right? And so, you know, there, I think it's, again, getting past the initial uh, uh, fire emotional expression, either from the Leo moon or from the Chiron and Aries, and then, you know, getting down to, to, to reality and practicality, really. But I, you know, Mercury, Mars conjunction in Capricorn can be very cold 
in its words. Mm. And, and, you know, Mars and Capricorn is going to, it's going to get what it wants. It's like goal oriented and it's going to go for it. And it'll, it's in it for the long haul and it will do it its way. So, you know, along with Mercury there, it could be tough for certain people if they're having certain, let's say these parts of the chart, the, they have a bunch of planets in Aries or Capricorn, you know, this natural cardinal square. Um, just got to think long-term about it and, and get through the initial, uh, quote unquote hurt. I know. God, I'm, I'm right in this lineup. I'm so in this lineup. It's all, I'm like, I'll report back. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Give us a, give us a report. Be, uh, yeah. So <laughs> mix, mix reviews on this, uh, Leo full moon, to be honest. Um, it's, yeah. it's eventful. It is. It's eventful. It's an inter interesting way to start off the year. Many different things in play here. But again, in the end, I think if one can get to the place of using, you know, Jupiter and Saturn, Saturn and Pisces, Jupiter and Taurus here to vibe with 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 the planets in Capricorn, provides a place to stand upon and stability to go to, you know, and, and the thing long term. I, I will say one more thing because we got a lot. To, I know we have to a lot to talk There's about, but so much. <laughs> yeah, in general, on the world level. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of power play happening here because of Pluto being in Aquarius, but Mars and Capricorn after after being not visible and hiding behind the sun for all these months and it's starting to come out and be visible, but you know, I think it's slowly starts to be visible in the very end of January possibly. But it, if you think about this, Mars is in Capricorn and it's it's raring to go. At this point, it's at 15 degrees and it's already done half its transit, but it's it's wanting to push whatever its agenda is at all costs. It will, you know, this isn't a, a particular transit to mess with. So if it gets caught in power play situations, yeah, it's no joke on the political level. Like, uh, um, it's just something I have to say out loud. Like, if I think of it in bigger terms, you know, Mars is like, it's all about, it's wielding its power right now. And it's been wanting to for months. So exactly. And if you look at the if you look at the chart, it is the most dignified of planets happening, mm -hmm. being in its exaltation. It's uh, you know in morning star position, so it's extra raring, ready to go. Oh. It's out from under the beams of the sun. I'm really what Nicholas just said is like Mars has been waiting. Mars has been waiting for its moment and it is, the moment is nigh. <laughs> yeah. And there's this like ju possible judgment thing or whatever. It's like layoffs. Oh, we're going to cut yeah. corners here. Yeah. It's time to, to trim this over there. You know, yeah. very cold business-like, you yes. know, to achieve the goal. It's just, where, it's just where it's happening. But if we think about it from a mundane level, political, corporate level or whatever, it's more, more cost, what they call cost cutting. And mm -hmm. and whatever the gets cut away, the byproduct, whatever is like gotta go ruthlessly. Like, you know, there isn't no talking about yeah. it. There isn't like it's listening business. to your yeah, it's not listening to your feelings about it. It's just like yeah. done. Saturn and Pisces. Your feelings don't matter here. <laughs> yeah. This doesn't, is, you know. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. So and that's very important to think about for quite some time with just the sun and Mars together because the conjunction happened in Scorpio. So you know that whole the whole Two-year cycle is very strong in in the Mars energy and the the, the changes that will happen. Uh, so this is definitely, 
And it's almost getting, well, it's not quite there yet, but it's almost getting to the sextile from where that took place. But yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said that because in, in the end, <laughs> if anybody was like looking again, if you're looking at this chart and is Saturn, Jupiter, they're kind of like the place, like they're, they're having a natural sextile happening right here. And, and yeah. it's like, it's, go yeah. there. It's still there. Doesn't perfect, but it's still, it's still there. So we're going to move on from our Leo full moon and we've already kind of, well, we, we get some residuals of some of the things that we were already talking about because the next day on the 26th, which happens to be Friday, and I will say all the Fridays of the successive Fridays have a lot of energy to them. We've got, you know, uh, the, all the lunations are lining up at the end of the week. So <laughs> the beginning of weekends will have huzzahs. <laughs> Uh, but January 26th, we have the perfection of Mercury squaring Chiron, right? Because Mercury and Mars, as you can see, um, are toe-to-toe -to -toe right here at 16 degrees of Capricorn. And we've already got this kind of Chiron signature. So Mercury is helping to perfect that. We have uh, the Sun, who makes its official square to Jupiter uh, that we feel. And... We have this Chiron that is stationing direct, which isn't direct quite yet. Oh, Uranus. Yeah, can... you said Uranus. Did I say, why did I say Chiron? I didn't mean Chiron. Chiron yeah. wanted me to talk about it. So yeah, scary. You just, just needs it. the intention. Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> Here's some ointment. Here, here, have some salve. Yes. Cool your jets. Cool your jets. So let's talk about this Uranus. Let's give a, just a little shout out to Uranus stationing direct, which actually happens 11.35 p.m. So to a lot of places, it'll be sat Saturday. doesn't matter. doesn't really, does it really matter? No, but we have, well, it does kind of matter with the moon squaring it <laughs> as it stations. <laughs> I guess that does make a difference, doesn't it? <laughs> um, so let's think about the, just Uranus stationing. I mean, what does it have to, what does it have to emerge for us this time? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about an interesting 48 hours here. So for everybody's keeping track here, there's a lot going on. I, I My first thought goes back to actually when Uranus stationed, uh, which I think it was in September of 2023 when Uranus did station retrograde. So it just says a point, in, a point in time that's connected to this. August 28th. Okay, it's the end of oh. August, 23 oh, August. Taurus during the Venus mm -hmm. and Leo retrograde mm -hmm. uh, or story, whenever that was. So I go back to that. And, and for those watching, I think a lot of times, sometimes we see things that day. I think if, if it was exactly, you have something exactly at 19 degrees, let's say Taurus or whatever, you might see some, but, um, here we have a certain movement that really in my mind propels a Taurus story in general all the way into the end of May because of Jupiter being yeah. there and, uh, uh, you know, about to review all those degrees in that point of time since the end of August, which the chart you just had up there till now, we're about to go over these degrees again. And it starts to happen fast, I think, eventually. It's, it's stuck at this degree for a while, but you pay attention, it's at 19, right? It's... What I'm getting to is in April, when we have the mega eventful, one of the top transits of the year happen, when Jupiter and Uranus are conjunct at 21 degrees, uh, uh, we're, we're kind of going towards that point here. 
But here we have this stationary point. Um, surprises could be involved for certain certain people, but mm. I don't know particularly think off the bat, but we're we're leading to something new, eventful. Yeah, you'll definitely feel it if you got 19-ish degrees of fixed signs. Fixed, definitely. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll you'll definitely definitely feel that there. And there's just something but to really tie it together to what you're saying. Uh in yeah, because I think one of the big things we're kind of culminating with this season and just the energy that we're experiencing here is the door opening and the lead up and the, you know, the the paving the way to the April um, and May components of the astrology. And to think that we have the sun squaring Jupiter, which is always it's sort of a, a push of growth, whatever that looks like, right? You know, it's a push mm -hmm. of progress, a push of what's next while Uranus says, surprise, uh, I'm here. I'm back. And that is sort of the kickoff point for then Jupiter to continue along to make that conjunction to Uranus uh, in a couple months time. So the fact that they're both activated in different ways. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, the sun's going to go on to make its square to Uranus, not too long, you know, a couple of weeks after this. So there's much like if you watch the episode with Gray and I, and we're talking about the bridging of the gap to Saturn and Neptune. There's a bridging of the gap to Jupiter and Uranus at this point of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, that's has that that great lead up. So we're bound to see something. Yeah, everything's forward now. Let's do, let's go. I, I, I mean, let's just remember though. You know, an outer body planet when it stations, it it doesn't start moving the degree the next day. You know, no. it, it's, it takes a little bit to get going. So. And, and, but the, here's the thing is it doesn't need to get going. I think like the, the, the thing with the station itself is it's, it's almost like think about energy and it has nowhere to go. It's one thing. It's like the energy. Okay. Well, we're cruising backwards energy. We're cruising forward. But then when the energy is still, it's just, you know, like starts to <laughs> like kind of, yeah. it has its uh, building. No, that's, that's a good reminder, Mel, about outer body stations, how powerful they are. They're they, very even though they powerful. Don't move, they don't move by the degree. They might not move for a degree for a for a while, but it's it's very powerful place. And I I again I could I could think about when Uranus went into Aries the first day. I'll never forget that day. And I think that was <laughs> burned in your memory. Yeah, because of what happened globally and the power of just stations or ingresses, stuff like that. Anyway, yeah, yeah, it's track. it's no 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 yeah. joke. The planets, the planets show you who they are in those moments. Uh, so let us carry on. We sort of have simultaneous stories going on uh, through the coming week. And that is we got Mercury moves happening. And so Mercury over here in Capricorn is going to, where's my notes? Where's my notes? Obviously conjunct Mars, which we uh, see here uh, happening around. So basically from... Mercury, Neptune. I'm like, I'm looking at all the notes, but I don't see the information that I need. <laughs> so where is it? Yeah. January 27th through February 2nd. So we got Mercury conjuncting Mars. They're both going to try in Uranus, who we're just talking about, who's stationary and, and uh, emerging from its retrograde. And then Mercury will sextile Neptune. It'll... <laughs> Everything from the Mercury square will now make sense. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yeah. This is. Um, I mean, maybe. I, I, well, I don't know. I just love water earth connections, man. Me I'm too. just. Yep. All about it. Especially in this, like, we're 
age of air, like where we're going into, where we will be for a long time, that in the future, you know, whenever you see water, earth connections that take you out of your head, you know, they can, and, and such a positive, produ- not pro- I don't want to use the word productive. I don't want to use that. I, I think but there's different calm- ways of being productive. Sure. Sure. I, I want to think of another earth word to use because yeah. productive just falls into like doing work, but it's like, uh, I'm telling myself that, but it's like, <laughs> I, I, but you know, more of like getting in tune with one's body, self-connection to earth and nature yeah. and the emotional components of water. You know, that's where I'm coming from. It's where we, it's where we return to our vessel. And we yes. are very uh, aware of being embodied, what that feels like, if it feels off, how do we, you know, move it in ways or give it space or or give it care or energy that, that it needs. Um, it's form. I mean, that's a big part of water and earth together is it, it allows form to start mm-hmm. to, you know, we think about the, the clay and, and the energy that, uh, which is great, you know, especially if we are in productive mode. There's nothing worse than being productive mode and nothing's coming together. <laughs> yeah, well, this goes into like, right, whatever was, in, uh, however uh, a dream was inspired or yeah. some inspiration comes up and then it going into form, you know. Yeah. And then what we do creatively too, let's say of like what we do with our emotional selves, our content or stories and how one way to work and process that is through or through form mm-hmm. creative, you know, so. And, and so who's along for a similar ride, but different degrees is Venus. Venus is, uh, in that time around January 27th and 28th, basically that weekend, that last weekend of January, she's going to sextile, uh, Saturn here and she's going to make the official trine and all the planets actually will be around six degrees here. I think this is actually the closest me. Is this the closest that Saturn? I think it is the closest. And, uh, and then Venus is right there along for the ride. I, this actually, yeah, I'm like, this is kind of a rare deal right here. I, I, you know, for Virgo moon opposing. Saturn. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, you know, considering what we just, t- we talked about the last couple of days and then we get to this is, I, I think if we think of from a, sp- a story, a story perspective of where yeah. we just came from the full moon, all this stuff, stuff, this isn't mm-hmm. too bad to come like to come into this place, no. you know, and, and again, a major Jupiter Saturn connection that's happening here, but then Venus comes in and it really triggers it all in a good way. And, and, um, this is where patience and practicality pays off, right? You know, it pays off here, you know, and there's rewards to this, you know, for, for, uh, leveling out emotion and spreading out and, and taking that emotion that was coming, let's say from the full moon that was hot and heavy initially, and then trying to do something with the practicality that all these Capricorn planets and Capricorn are doing. And then you have these connections here. And then it, it's within days, possibly you're an insight of to like, Oh, okay. I see why we're bringing in Capricorn energy to help out with this. I did have an emotional explosion, but you know, thanks for listening, holding space for that. And then now we have some results. I'm like, Oh, I can, I dig this practicality and stability thing. Let's just keep doing it. So. Yeah. It's nice to feel grounded and rooted and, uh, 
Yeah. So I, I really like this. I really like this a lot. And, and not to say that we all have to be productive, but I think if we are in production mode and have things to do and want to be creative, there is a joy and a sense of um, achievement mm-hmm. that feels really good with what you're able to push forward. Um, and even if it's stuff that's been on the plate where you're like, oh, I've had, you know, I've been meaning to deal with you for a while. And then all of a sudden it's like everything aligns and you're like, you know what? You weren't as bad as I thought you were. And yeah. it feels good to get this off my plate. All right. We're moving on. Virgo moons att- attending to all the details mm-hmm. and flowing. So that weekend seems very, uh, yeah, very, very good in my book, in my earth book. feels very good. So let us move on here. We It kind of brings us actually to the next point of the lunar cycle. Uh, so the moon is going to continue to cruise through Virgo. And then, of course, we get our Libra action. A little, little stop at the south node. I don't know if you've been tracking that at all, Nicholas, but I know some some people have. Like the, the moon stop at the south node each month and how that feels in, in Libra. No, you're not, I wasn't tracking that, but I will now, though. You're absolutely on point. That's the yeah. thing. That- <clears throat> it's, a, it's definitely, especially now that Chiron is so close to the north node, there's definitely going to be the push and pull of that access uh, in this, you know, limited piece, piece of time. It might actually give you a precursor to what that Chiron North Node looks like in your personal life and on the world sphere, but... Yeah, totally. Also, too, just to say we're here really quick, is just, yeah, like you said, you're tracking Moon South Node, especially at this point here, because Moon's coming through and it's not only conjunct the South Node, but it is squaring those Capricorn planets. Yes. That's there, so... Yes. Temporarily here, whenever it happens. Temporarily. Let me just get the... Is there going to be one more moon in Libra that's going to square, maybe, but after that, but, uh, you know. Mm, Let's see here. So, when does that actually happen? So, the last day of January, January 31st, around noon Pacific, we have the Libra South Node action that um, will trigger that Chiron, and then later in the day, we'll go on to square that Mercury-Mars. So this is definitely a hot spot when it comes to uh, potential uh, being thrown off balance again or in relationship sort of hiccups or just things, you know, things popping off or just feeling a little edgy. Uh, Midweek definitely has that that vibe because we are leading to the... um, Scorpio last quarter, and I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it out there, but any, I mean, last quarters, first quarters, the tension that the sun and moon bring in a square, and then you throw Scorpio on top of it, it's broody. There's there's a lot of emotion that, um, but also the the impetus to change and and doing the hard stuff and really feeling the feels and, um. And that happens on Friday, February 2nd. So so that's sort of the lead up of that week. I mean, what do you think about any of that? Well, you know, considering this last quarter, I think it's good because remember last quarter, in one sense, we're dealing with the square challenge, but we're also getting ready for that last week before a new moon that turns into balsamic. And I think you're going to have any moon kind of push things out to, 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 to take care of some finalities, right? And prepping yourself to, in a in a place of uh, saying goodbye or letting go or 
or uh, taking out the trash. Or, taking out you know, the so, trash. You know, all the recycling. Literally, so, metaphorically it, it, speaking. Yeah, more, yeah <laughs> that kind of thing, you know. So it can be intense here, but um, that's just one quick way that I look at it. Um, yeah, um, I'm always, totally I'm always trying to remember what the last quarter square is doing and the reasons why, and is to get it's for the next week. Uh, so it is, it's a, yeah. it's that, that push, that push to what will change over and having the moon. So we see the moon will, after it makes the square, will go on to oppose Uranus, which I think is important because the new moon that's coming up in Aquarius is going to be squaring Uranus. So there is this Uranian component, which really goes with what Nicholas was just saying about this place of change and kind of taking out the trash, right? Because there is Uranus pushes us to, you know, level up and to innovate and to liberate and to change, change it up even when that's difficult to do. And so there might be just this emotional component, the deeper emotional component of it all before we get to the detached, okay, this is required, or I know I have to progress this way, or I'm like, I see the bigger picture, but first you got to go through the moment where you're like, oh, I feel it deep in the soul of my caverns. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. So, so that weekend Friday might feel a little cavernous. <laughs> if you're, if you're going down, if you're going down, give yourself a moment. Don't, don't take others with you. Be, be kind, be kind to yourself and others. Yeah, Scorpio moon when it's set off in weird ways. Anybody's got Scorpio moon knows like what they can do or where they can go all of a sudden emotionally. If it pops up, it could be ruthless. Like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to talk negatively and bad about Scorpio moons, but let's just say something that's been hidden and welling up and resentment for a long time. And all of a sudden it could, you know, pop off addictively. You know, I didn't forget what you said. 7.5 7.5 months ago, <laughs> you know, so it's like that kind of stuff. But, but, but again, let's just go back to the other thing of just like, clear, you're, you're getting ready this last quarter, you're getting ready, you need to clear the dirt out, basically, I'm getting the balsamic base for the new moon so something can happen again. But a lot of times from last quarter to the balsamic, you're pushing and clearing things out, you're taking care of loose ends, you know, so. And I- I guess the last thing I'll say to piggyback exactly of what you're saying, what you were saying about Saturn earlier in the program is sometimes the things we need to clear out are the deep, the deep stuff within. It's not like a literal thing we have to clear out. Maybe it is. Maybe it's connected to there some, some way. Maybe that's part of the catharsis, but it's that it's the inner purge. It's the, (laughs) that needs to be felt and, and worked through. Um, so that, that the this outer affects you and I, by the way. <laughs> I know. We like... just had this, by the way. We just asked, we're doing this recording here or whatever, but we just had Scorpio Moon. I'm just saying, I'm just thinking yeah. about this past week. But anyway, um, but because of your the charts you and I have, this we're definitely we're just... we're in the crosshairs. So we uh... have to remember, like we talked about, and we, you know, we're astrologers, yes, our... yes. humans. We're humans, we're astrologers. I, Nicholas Polymonacos, must remember as an astrologer to take note of this particular weekend that affects my chart. And I talked about this publicly with you, Mel, <laughs> that I'm not going to get caught up into something that I'm going to remember what I told other people to do. Like, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we are taking ownership of, of what we're saying and we're going to work with it. We're going to. 
let it change us because we're in we're in the crosshairs for it to do so. So you know what? Bring it on. Bring it on last quarter. I'm ready for you. Not yet though. I'm not ready yet, but when you get there. So, okay, well, we are moving on. So we are in that week that has the lead up to the new moon at this point. We're, you know, we're getting last quarterly. We're moving to balsamic. We have a couple of things that go on. We have, if you see on the chart, we've got dun dun dun. Mercury moving into Aquarius, which will, of course, conjunct Pluto, which will happen on the 4th of February. Let me just make that exact so we can look at it. Look at it in great detail. <laughs> um, oh, so, oh, it moves in on the 4th and it makes the conjunction with Pluto on the 5th. For first thing, when we wake up on Monday morning, we get a Mercury-Pluto conjunction. <laughs> yeah, we get some... Deep intellectual, like truth, uh, uh, in a sense, Mercury imprinted that with you know with Pluto here too. Part of Mercury's cycle, I, I think, is you know Mercury going through with Pluto and and getting to the the pinpointing to the core truth. But it, it's I think a mind intellectual thing here, and um, I, I it opens up a door. It's it's it does. actually. This door goes back to the end of 2020 when we had the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction happen at zero degrees Aquarius, right? And we have Pluto doing this dance it has been doing with zero degrees. But whenever we have the inner bodies come through with stuff like this, it's obvious. It's very obvious. Very obvious here. Yeah. So Mercury is the scout planet here. and, and It's like the ant. That's good. <laughs> yeah. It's just like totally found. Well, the uh, the possibly poisonous sugar. I don't know. But anyway, so go going through Pluto, you know, there, there's another feeling of a, a letting go of something, but something there crystallized to the surface, I think has still the feeling because of the speed of the planets and what's happening of this forward moving. There's this a, mm, another little mm -hmm. step forward, you know, but there is a certain metamorphosis and renewal or shedding happening here when Mercury goes through Pluto. Different than when Mercury is going through the sun is, that's for sure. But there is something here uh, to all this. And there is. Really, yeah, go ahead. There's definitely something here. And as you're speaking, it as you're speaking, it was like sort of like the, um, you know, that meme where it has the woman and she sees all the like calculations in front of her, front of her eyes, oh, yeah. like all the math. That's that was what was going on in my head. And I was like, okay. So this is this is an important moment for a couple of reasons, right? The scout planet like you're talking about, Mercury's going to Mercury's going to bring it up. Mercury's going to bring it up from the underworld. It's going to bring <laughs> bring it I up. I really like know. the meme analogy because if I remember that meme too, there's something about the shape of her eyes and her she's eyes, looking, yeah. Yeah, there's almost a little bit of suspicion there too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's a little bit of something here like Plutonian suspicion. Like, hmm, like, like, hmm. yeah, it feels very can of wormy because I'm like, where do I start here? Number one, Mercury immediately starts its position under the beams of the sun. So it gets into this place where it, it connects with Pluto and then all of a sudden it's going to start its whole rebirth with the elongated rebirth with the sun in the superior conjunction Two. Being the scout planet, 
it's leading the charge for Mars, which is about to come up to that Pluto point. Venus, who will come up to that Pluto point at the end. Mm-hmm. I, and Mars and Venus have a whole story. If you listen to the Gray and I's podcast on the astrology of the year, that's a that's a big component. But there's extra tension that's happening around this Mercury-Pluto conjunction with the revisit of Chiron, right? Because Venus is squaring Chiron at this at this time. It's a different story, but it's leading to the same, you know, it's go, it's re, it's doing the same moves essentially. And luckily we have the sun also sextiling Chiron right here. So we have these simultaneous stories coming on, but Mercury and Pluto feels very potent for the beginning of this week um, and what will end up happening, right? Like a precursor, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the, 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 whatever the mind thing you're talking about before there, it might not come out to the surface, like with everybody else, but it can come within oneself, let's say. And, and I think then this starts to progress, actually, whatever that storyline is, the other planets are coming through, you know, and adding flavor to this and showing it that it's showing itself more uh, in a zero degree Plutonian and Aquarius fashion. <laughs> Which is huge because like you were just talking about, Nicholas, this is a, a potent degree for bigger elongated cycles. So it's not, I mean, these moments are going to be, have their moment, but what is it about this moment that creates a much longer release? Think of it yeah. like a, like a slow release uh, tea or a release or like a medication you take. It's like you pop the pill, but <laughs> when, when are the effects right. going to take place? <laughs> no, totally. And I, and I think, I think here too, the, in one way too, the benefit of these planets going through Pluto, we're talking about Mercury, we're gonna, you're going to show the rest here in a second, but is that if people want a hint of something or they need something to feel like what all these astrologers are talking about, this new era, this new thing is happening. Actually, I think it's very, can be very simple and tangible in one's head, mind, or how it comes through here with, with this particular point in time and, you know, February. I, I yeah. it's something there. And, and I, I don't, and it's been hidden the whole time and it starts to show itself. So, yeah. Yeah. So here we, here we go. Buckle up. Buckle up. We Mercury is taking us for a ride and Mars and Venus are coming along. So let us let us carry on as we're in the balsamic. We're getting into the balsamic phase. Not quite. We're almost there. I do like that this moon. What a what an interesting juxtaposition than having the moon in Sagittarius, you know, sextiling the sun, trining Chiron. So it's it's. We we well we never really can label things as bad or good. That's there's that's arbitrary. Uh, mm-hmm. But having the having that sag that sag energy at the same time from the emotional uh, spectrum is uh, intriguing to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let us move it along, move it along, move it along. So what is next here? We got well, and then Venus is gonna carry on and do that same square to Chiron to the trine to Uranus, which is always fun for. uh, Actually, I kind of really like this setup. So February seventh, which is gonna be a Wednesday, we've got Venus and Uranus trining, and then we got Mars and Neptune sextiling. So we have the relationship planets 
in sort of a, what I think is like a loosey goosey kind of <laughs> space, sort of. But any thoughts on? Uh... Yeah, I mean, again, I think this goes back to our relationship with water and earth, like we were talking about earlier yeah. too. But, um, but uh, again, for, for the for the Mars transit itself a lot of the aspects is made. I mean, there's been some squares involved with Chiron. I mean, there's that with these Capricorn planets, but for the most part, Mars has made great connections mm-hmm. with, you know, make, it's, it's made connections with Jupiter and Uranus, you know, and here it's kind of like one of the final connections in the Mars and Capricorn story and transit is with Neptune. And I think this is a great way, one of the, a great way to go out of the transit, at least for Mars. I know there's still some days left there and all the things, but, you know, I, I think after being uh, on its mission and climbing the mountain and trying yes. to achieve its goal and some of the probably conflict that's run through and the certain things, it gets to have a little bit of an oasis moment here. And, and to see the bigger picture. And sometimes we cannot forget that, let's say from a Capricornian perspective, Mars and Capricorn, it, it loves being there. It's getting to its, isn't it exaltation degree pretty soon here or whatever, but it's like, in general, it does get stuff done, but I still think sometimes the way it goes about it, the way it deals with power can be cold and aggressive, right? So mm-hmm. I think Neptune here, dissolve some of some of that that mars is acquired on its journey mm-hmm. and neptune dissolves some of that and brings in the bigger picture of why one was climbing the mountain why one was what the reasons really why they were trying to achieve their goal not from just a mundane practical level but the bigger bigger picture of it all and so you know for me there's this last bit of inspiration last bit of vision hmm. here that Neptune brings to Mars. Um, and yeah. got to dig these transits, just have to, considering we think about all these other transits last so four or five months and blah, blah, blah. You know, um, when you have stuff that's, that's not just in within you or just in your head or in an emotional body, but when you have transits that are manifesting or can externally, or you could see them and feel them and touch them and have them in front of your face, the results and get to a place with Neptune where you see the deeper reasons why, you know? Um, so yeah, anyway, there's some, yeah, no, we need that. We need those moments. It's not all no. just pushing on the grind. We got to like to connect with the, the spirit and the creative self and, and the rest that's required. I mean, we're not meant to just continually work note mm. to both of us. Uh, there, <laughs> Good one. Check, check mark, um, or checkmate, I should say. There is, there are moments where actually the most productive thing you can do is take a rest, have a moment, have some fun, do something different, find different ways to be embodied in the in the Venus Uranus. It's like because we we might need different stimulus, and I just, yeah. So it feels very. Um, it feels great for being able to just have a moment to do something different, to let off. I don't want to say steam. I don't really feel steam. It just, it, just to like, I don't know, just get yeah, out of the grind and join someone yeah. at the same time, you know? Yeah. Together. You're not at the very top of the mountain. You and I are climbing up the mountain, a bunch of us are climbing up. We're not at the very top, but we're at this place and we're looking down and I bust out a blunt. 
and <laughs> we start sharing it. And then we're like, look, and I'm like, oh, we oh. see the view. Whoa. We don't just, yeah, we see the view. We see where we just came from, but then it's like, it's something else. Like, oh, I'm so glad I'm here here with you doing this. It's not just about me and my singular goal. It's for the whole something, right? And so, you know, and then at that point, you, you I don't know, you took, you take something out of your bag and some, one of these weird potion things that you have there, and then you make me smell it and drink it. And I'm, I don't even ask what it is. And it just, <laughs> just kind of sh- takes off the rough edges, you know, it just kind of, you know. Then we have a a five hour conversation that means nothing and everything at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And just like this podcast. This 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 kind of like there it is. There it is. And then a couple of days later, everything conjunction Pluto, and we're like shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's a moment midweek. Midweek too. It's not. It doesn't happen during a weekend. It's like the middle of the week. We have this. We have this moment. And but the moon is in Capricorn. Such so a different. Right. Speaking of the Capricorn moon, I always feel like I got to be doing something. I got to, if I'm not doing something, I don't know what to do with myself. Uh, that also could be the Gemini speaking, but. Yeah. You know and, how you were tracking you, how you personally been tracking South node moon and Libra South node. Yeah. I've been tracking for months is whenever Pluto hits, whenever the moon hits Pluto. Yeah. And so at this point though, we know now there's no more Pluto uh, moon conjunctions in Capricorn. Nope. So we're getting to a, a different type of moon Pluto conjunction here, which so. I hope you'll still be tracking. Yeah, I will. I got to just, yeah, I got to remember sometimes. You got to put that on your to-do list. Just one Yeah, more, I have that community. T- I have I on uh, Instagram. <laughs> I use the community group thing that they have. The only thing I do it for is for moon Pluto. So I always say something. something. It's like, that's what Nicholas comes in and just reminds me. And I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. No wonder I feel that way. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, it's that time again. So it's it's almost that time again, but we're going to get that different flavor. We're going to get that different flavor. So we're moving on from Venus, Uranus, Mars, Neptune to the next day. On to the next day, which is that Thursday the 8th when we have the sun making its square, <clears throat> its exact square to Uranus right before the the new moon. So I might just preface that this is happening before the new moon and we're just going to scooch on over to the 9th, February 9th, 2:59 p.m. Pacific where we have our new moon at 20 degrees and 40 minutes of Aquarius slightly coming off of the square to Uranus. So um yeah, I might be get back on my soapbox again. Uh I think this might be the reveal, but Please do. Please, please do. Please do. So I do want to. So let me get my, I feel like I'm about to make a presentation. All right, people, I'm here today to tell you something that's very close to my heart that has come to my awareness recently. It's always been there, but it's come back in full force. And I really think this has to do with Aquarius, Taurus energy. And that is, I want everyone in a perfect world, and I can't make anybody do anything, and I have no control over anybody but myself, but I want to make everybody very aware of what you're eating. What are you eating? How has it gotten to your plate? What, how does it get to your plate? Mm. This is so huge for the environment 
for the our health, for our spiritual selves. And one of the things, and I mean, as a, I don't think I even share this very often on the podcast or at all, but I am, I'm a pescatarian. I'm a, I, I eat mostly vegetarian. I try to be, I try to eat as vegan as possible, but I'm very, you know, concerned or considerate about especially animal products that I take in. And recently there has been a documentary that came on Netflix. Actually, it, this is talk about Pluto, talk about a little Mercury Neptune surprise. I want everyone, if you can, and if you will, to go oblige me to watch. It's called You Are What You Eat, hmm. the twin study. And so Netflix has cleverly dis- disguised a very potent four episode documentary around twins who have identical, identical twins who have DNA shares. To uh, one goes on an omnivore diet, one goes on a plant-based vegan diet. And so we're tracking, you know, the health of this. But really what that, because people love reality shows. They're like, oh, give me someone who's on a journey. Let me see how that is this. We're, let me invest in these people. Well, spoiler alert, you're going to get a little bit about those people, but you're going to get a lot of reality about our agricultural system. And... I'm hoping that, and I love this. I hate it. I hate that. But I love that Netflix is putting this out there and they're putting it in a way that could maybe disguise it for people who wouldn't normally watch such things because they think that they're going to watch a reality show about people, you know, and their health or maybe losing weight. People are obsessed with that. But it is potent, Nicholas. And I guess that is all I'm going to say because I could soapbox about it all day. But just I'm just going to intro and start there because... This is Uranus in Taurus. This is Jupiter in Taurus. This is Saturn eventually in Taurus because so much of our pollution, so our, not even just pollution, our bodily pollution, the welfare and compassion, Saturn in Pisces of all species, like it is bad and it has consumed me. And so I have, it's my duty my Aries Chiron duty to stand up and share that. And so I will now step down from my soapbox and give you the floor. <laughs> well, I, first of all, I'm glad that you brought that up. I'm going to, ch- I'll check out the movie. Um, but yeah, you, what you're talking about is, a, I think one of the major storylines of Uranus and Taurus here since 2018. And I think of a lot of times, you know, other people talking about finances and money and Bitcoin and all that kind of stuff, but really like what comes up out of the ground and on a just basic raw level and and what has happened with the industrialization of things and so on and so forth. And if we're thinking about Uranus coming in and and changing and, and moving things and breaking things apart and possibly bringing in new things, this also on a one level, if we talk about the masses and people thinking, mm-hmm. you know, uh, about this is this like this is another stage in that you could say this Mercury uh, story, you know, uh, um, with Jupiter and eventually Uranus, right? Mm-hmm. That there could be some reality checks envisioning too, though, that come along with it. And I think with anything mercurial, it's the packaging sometimes and how mm-hmm. things information is brought to people. So, like for instance, you were talking about I haven't seen this movie, but the way you know. I've, I hear you and believe you that the way they 
maybe sneakily packaged it up in, in a way, like a, a way for the information to come through that maybe probably most likely isn't aggressive, like you must do this and blah, blah, blah type of thing, right? There's times for that. But it's like, for me, just hearing what you said and looking at the transits, you know, and looking at a, a, a longer story of, of what Uranus is doing in Taurus, what Pluto and Aquarius is bringing, of how we deal with each other as culture, society, and community, right? And bringing in the earth element of, of our agriculture and food and inherently our health and the health of the planet. Yeah. You know, I, I totally see where you are with this and why you're saying it, you know, and that I think we're at a, I think we've been at a critical point in this critical mass, but I think it's going to become more obvious in the years to come of how those who it's still in a sense, hasn't the reality hasn't hit them or the effects of them or didn't realize why in, in one sense they're feeling this with their body or their bodies doing this and that, like the byproduct of things. And then yeah. they're coming to their own, finally, maybe the conclusions of like, well, maybe it is what I'm putting into my body and where do I source what I put in my body? Right. And so, you know, it, th this is, but it's challenging here. It Let's is. just say from a fixed perspective, from Mercury in, in Aquarius challenges the thought of, of one thing where they stand. Right. But at the same time, could bring in that new, a different viewpoint, a different way of looking at it, you know. But anyway, those are my thoughts to, to what yeah, you that's ex that's exactly, and that's really, then that's why I feel so passionate about bringing it up because we can't fix things overnight. But the more knowledge we have, and the more we're aware, and the more that we're conscious, and the less detached we are. I mean, there's times when it's good to be detached because it helps us see things from a more objective standpoint. But then there's other times where we're detached and we don't want to look at the reality yeah. of something or, or we're comfortable with what it is or we're comfortable because it tastes great. But does it? It's only because we're used to it. It's only, you know. So if you if we want to live healthily and we want our planet to live healthily and we want to be conscientious of everything that is on the planet, including the ecosystem of the trees, um, which are a big component in this too, it's like we have to, once again, go back to our choices. And this is hard because when you were talking about that earlier, Nicholas, talking about privilege, that's such a big component of it because yeah. one of the one of the biggest problems with the access we have to things and choices is uh i'll just say this real quick is the is food deserts and people in an area of pe people that don't there there is less privilege or there are you know um minority uh you know more maybe, maybe poverty centers where they just feed people crap. And uh, yeah, so that, so once again, I'm going to circle back to that because that exists and we can't get away from that. But we can all start make choices that over a long period of time, if we cut back, it's amazing that people think they can eat meat three times a day with everything and then double the meat. I'm like, where do you think yeah, that comes from? I where do you think that comes from? Yeah, it's right. interesting too, too, because we're we're also dealing with we go on tangents here about protein intake and all that I kind know. of stuff. I will it's say like... something because you're on point. You're already, I was already going to say something. You went there. Um, an old acquaintance of mine that I met at uh, the Norwalk conference years ago. 
she's still an astrologer, not to the state, but she's been involved in the project in South Central LA for, for years now and, and dealing with predominantly black and brown community down there, dealing with food deserts. And, you know, she's been raising money. It's called Supermarket, actually. I think it's mm. spelled S-U-P without the E. But, you know, they've been raising money for years. But I learned a little bit about this stuff when I went to go visit one time about food deserts, especially in, in big cities and stuff where there's only like mini marts and yeah. certain types of bodegas and stuff. Yeah. And there's that reality there. Like, you know, someone even can't eat. They can't go eat certain meals. Let's say they don't have the healthy. choice and have the choice. And then not only that the way the cost of it it is yes. too. So if I was if I was in the food desert, I didn't have anything and I was kind of dealing with not having a lot of money and then I saw a certain fast food chain had for 2.99 this and the side of fries or whatever, you know, and then you get in the habit of it and you know, you can't crucify those people for doing that. No. You know, so it, it, there's realities here, but I uh, but again, I I think you know, it starts with talk and information in a way where I think things are presented to people. And it's also to recognize that there's many people out there who don't have a choice. Yeah. This goes back to what we we're talking about in the beginning from the bigger picture about, about privilege and choice and stuff is like, mm -hmm. we talk about Pluto and Aquarius thing that's happening, you know, another way of seeing the world from an intellectual point of view, probably with Pluto being there, uh, uh, um, the, the, the higher mind, the hive mind. Mm. Right. So it's like, that could be manipulated from a Pluto perspective mm -hmm. or the powers that be or whatever that could be changed, toppled or, or structures could be changed over time. It doesn't happen. It's a slow game, but it does start with something it could be so simple. Like you brought up this chart here with Mercury and Aquarius probing for something else new, another way of looking at things, right? Mixed with Jupiter here that enhances that. Can it, can it be, uh, overabundance in that thought and preachy possibly but i don't possibly. think about it that way i mean that's a byproduct of it but i think about it more as like you're, you're pushing past a vision a yes. certain way of being and looking for something more the limit of something and busting through the limit and, and and having an unconventional way of looking at things and i say unconventional here which is funny because in the end and this is something i've been saying on my videos for the last couple of years or whatever with uranus uranus and taurus this uh, reclaiming of one's senses, mm. like the five senses and leading your life in that way and how some of our senses are over bombarded, like a sound or like visual, but through phones and stuff, but like living through our senses. So like to go back to something simple, if I were to go to a mini mark and grab a bag of some like red hot Cheeto type of thing. And then I was to go to some market down the street and they had an apple and I was to sit there and completely clear my brain and smell. Mm. It, which one would I really go for? Like if I were to cut the apple open and I open the bag of Cheetos, people are going to laugh at this. But for me, I'm sitting there going, I'm smelling the apple and I'm smelling this bag of contrived whatever production, industrial produced, whatever. That's not even real. Food wise, mm -hmm. where do am I gravitating to? You know, like what am I, what is my body telling me? Yeah. What are my senses telling me that what I want? You know, and I think it comes, it comes back to that in the end. Right. But, but anyway, we went on a tangent here, but, well, but yeah, I'm so I glad mean, that's that you how, did. Honestly, just to sum up your point, that's how I got here in the first place is because, I mean, when I was, I was vegetarian from when I was like, when I went to college to my mid twenties, 
fell off the wagon for about seven years. <laughs> and I just started getting to the point of what you're just saying. Like I would look at it, I would smell it, I would taste it. And I knew I was having an existential crisis because I knew something was off. I knew something was wrong through my senses. My senses were what informed me of the problem. And the second I made the decision to have a different choice, to have a different lifestyle, to uh, get rid of what was comfortable or what I thought was tasty, was not even tasty anymore, it all went away. Everything, you know, because I listened to what my body and my senses were telling me that were giving me information on a much bigger scope, but it had to come in through actual like a visceral, you know, sensual uh, response. So yeah. I love what you're saying there. And I encourage everyone to partake in the wisdom of the senses. Yeah. I, again, I, I, I'm glad that you said what you said, Mel. And, you know, if we think, I'm being really hopeful and positive here, but I think about any planet that's going to go through Aquarius for the next 20 years, right? Yeah. Whenever we're going to have Mercury and Venus, Mars, we're going to go in and there is, there is, can be the dogmatic, stubborn, fixed part of it all. And that's part of the story. But I, what I'm thinking about is the ingenuity of it all. And when one finds something new or an idea that it's ingenious to, that, that, in a sense, I think for humans can spark something that connects to like life itself. And we have always evolved and we've always pushed things for mm -hmm. the better or worse, you know, but there are certain realities that need to be dealt with here on the planet. And the one that you brought up about here, food is probably, I mean, I'm not going to rate comparing it's them. It's hard to rate. But it's, but it's up. Huge. It's up there. It's like how we survive is we gotta eat, you know. We gotta and, eat and we gotta we have gotta, water, you know. Gotta eat and then it's like there's and we gotta have clean air. Yeah, need clean air, water. You need healthy soil to continue to do this kind yes. of stuff. And then there's the issue. There's the big issue that I haven't seen the movie. I'm, I'm sure they talk about that. But whatever the case is, yeah, you know, to 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 um to think about this is the starting point. It is the starting point. So. Thank you for taking the time <laughs> to listen to me. Um, and so, I mean, this brings us to the, if this is a new Aquarius, new moon, <laughs> square Uranus, what, what is, what is, oh Now I goodness. see why you brought me on this show. I, now I can see why you, you be, <laughs> brought me right. on Aquarius. Yeah. That's I'm all about right. it now. I'm I needed, I needed the right person. I needed <laughs> the right person to banter with. Yeah. Um, so what's else going on with this new moon? Well, we pointed out the fact that uh, the square to Uranus, the Mercury squaring Jupiter and challenging our the limits of our, our perception there. Uh, we also already know that Mars is sextiling Neptune. So th that's kind of baked in, which I feel is kind of nice for the like the giving in <laughs> of to the change actually, in, in my mind. Um, and, but Mars also getting close to Pluto. So we do have to honor that, which is very intriguing to think of because that's sort of the first moves that happen as we start this lunation cycle, um, and Venus trining Uranus, which we've already kind of spoken of this stuff. So yeah. let us carry on in the interest of time because, you know, time, soapboxes take time. Got to really the moon is in Sag right now too, so it's it's very fitting. <laughs> yeah, let's remember we're we're doing this with Mercury Neptune. Yeah, Mercury uh, Neptune, Moon <laughs> Sag. There, here you go. Uh, and then Mars squared of actually 
Jupiter from Mercury perfects. Oh, wait, what did I have that? that does, that's not right. I got incorrect data. Thanks, Mercury. Mercury, Neptune, incorrect data. Uh, well, I'll just skip over that. But okay. let's move on to Mars moving into Aquarius. Well, let's just point out the stop at the exaltation degree uh, around February 10th, which is Mars at 28 degrees of Capricorn. So it has its ex exaltation moment um, as it moves between a sextile to Neptune to the conjunction with Pluto. Uh, but, 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 but in just a few days time on February 12th, uh, actually I'm just going to, February 12th, it moves into Aquarius and then it's going to conjunct Pluto uh, on the 13th on a Tuesday. Another intense beginning of a week, <laughs> Monday and Tuesday. Uh, it's, it's huge, yeah. actually. I, I, I think this, this is huge. Yeah, this is huge. And I'm looking moon and Aries and moon's going to go into Taurus. So, but it's like, this is a biggie. And I, again, another chapter in the story of planets moving through Pluto, through the door, through the gates. I don't know if it's jumping into a black hole or the, the vice versa. I, I just know this movement, uh, this liminal, liminal space that we've been in from 29 Capricorn of the year is another big chapter in a moving forward feeling here. A big one and i uh it's so concentrated what we have talked about in the last week and a half here of transits yeah. we, there's so much concentration when it comes back to pluto big movements and like uranus stationing forward that you got some outer body planets that are, that are making the presence known and and here though with mars coming through um talk about the rebel mm. um you know powerful rebel as in power Pluto, yeah. um, Mars probing. And at this point too, right? If we're looking, uh, 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 Mercury being an Aquarius too, there still to just what is an enhanced mind, you know, even going even deeper. It's almost restless, actually. It's super <laughs> restless. I yeah. like, well, as you were speaking, I was just seeing, I was just seeing, you know, like, people people rising up people being like uh-uh like there's just whether it is literally taking to the streets or having demonstrations or uh you know protests or strikes um or just you feel it within you and the, and the furies are like oh no uh, i can't i can't take this anymore this has to change or you know there's just there, there's such a concentration of um of of well coming back to the mind too like the concentration of like the kind of the intellectual component and the the like i i, I don't know why i imagine like a migraine um, <laughs> hope not <laughs> i hope not i don't wish a migraine upon anybody uh but, but it's just the intensity that comes along with these planets like i guarantee a hundred percent we are gonna see some news stories. There's going to be things that are popping up at this time, right after this new moon and this configuration coming together, because it's a whole lead up, right? Like that's something to take um, into account here is that we have this lead up of Mars, Pluto conjunction. Venus is right on the edge. She's going to move into Aquarius and conjunct Pluto uh, just a few days later on February 16th and 17th, right when we have a first quarter moon in Taurus uh, that Friday uh, that is going to be relatively close, not on top of, but it's going to pass over 
uh, Uranus. So there's this kind of this hot spot period for this entire week between yeah. the new moon on the ninth and basically the end of Aquarius season where Mercury perfects its square to Uranus. So I'm kind of like wrapping it all up in this package for us to discuss yeah. because I think like the movements of everything kind of contributes to what we're going to um, experience from, yeah, that. An interesting Valentine's Day week. I, that's what I was thinking. Oh. Yeah. I need some Actually, space. Let's let's go. I know. <laughs> I need some yeah. space. Um, I'm Polly. All of a sudden, someone that's Polly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I never knew. I <laughs> anyway, jokes, jokes, <laughs> jokes. Yeah. Well, let's just let, let me go back to. Well, just just a reminder how we started talking. You asked me what it's Aquarius stuff. And I'm like, this is where situations of someone jumps out of the normal line. Mm. You know. And I think that's enhanced where someone's going to, you know, you have uh, uh, storylines in one's life. You just look to the Aquarius parts of your chart or fixed parts of your chart where you have stuff at degrees like this. You already got a Pluto transit. If let's say you have something at zero degrees fixed, you've already been dealing with Pluto on and off consciously, subconsciously for the next last year and will this whole year. And then you have inner body planets coming through here. There's breaking off. There, there is change. There, there, there's movement happening. It's abstract, irrational at times it could be, but this thing of, of like um, restlessness, you know, and enhance, it's just got status quo, break off from the status quo, break off from... The, the amount of Capricorn that's happened and all these planets are coming into Aquarius and it's still Saturnian based, but it's like a breaking off. It's something else that is wanted or needed or going for. Right. So, you know, that's the thing here. And I, I, um, I, I like it. Oh, I don't even I, gotta I, like it. I have no choice, but like, I like it. <laughs> right. Right. No choice. <laughs> um, just everyone's got a, who's watching, you know, if they, it, their own particular chart and stuff, you know, it, it, there is volatility involved here. It's just there is. There is. Let's be up. We're just being up front. There's a, yeah. there's a volatile signature. Um, but volatility gets things moving. Volatility makes change happen. Yep. Uh, I can't help but notice this uh, on Wednesday, on the Valentine's Day, this uh, moon jupiter conjunction in taurus but also just thinking about the lead up to this first quarter in taurus and how it's going to bridge the gap between jupiter and uranus mm -hmm. all while mercury is squaring it so there's something once again we're talking about opening the door and in the, in the paving the way and the lead up to what will be in the spring this is a this is a moment this is a this is a this is a moment <laughs> yep so what we don't see and what will happen in Pisces season, not too long after it, um, just going, and we talked about this, Gray and I talked about this, but I'm just going to reiterate to people who haven't gone through that podcast or maybe, you know, uh, is not too long into Pisces season, we have the Venus Mars conjunction, which is huge for new cycles when it comes to relationships, when it comes to our sense of, uh, of inner balance and outer action, when it comes to the politics of war and peace. These two are big players here. So I just want to emphasize that that's kind of a lead up to have this 
powerful uh, fusion point, and that all happens with these Plutonian aspects that are taking place at the end of Aquarius season. Uh, so really pay attention to what is what is happening for you here and how you're having your own Pluto and Aquarius moment. You know, the world's going to have them. We're going to talk about it. we got 20 years to discuss this. But mm -hmm. we get to really get in there. We get to get in there and discover it for ourselves um, at this at this time. So just wanted to emphasize the importance important i gotta bring it on home with that sag moon today <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no i i'm glad you uh yeah because I, I know you went back here but um you know as we were going through these charts you could see how venus is moving and getting closer and closer to mars um and you know and they, and they all go through pluto but then when we get to this point here i'm i'm psyched for this i don't know why i am but i just um, I just love it when inner body planets do major things and, yeah. and, you know, and we're, we're talking about, uh, I mean, longer stories in general, but I guess I'm being biased because of the Aquarius in my chart. Maybe, Maybe be careful what I'm <laughs> asking for, but you're a rebel rouser. Yeah. But again, I think when it comes to relational activities, when we, we, we're we thinking about the nodes, let's say in this point, because we're dealing with Aries North and Libra South, and here's Venus and Mars and Aquarius bringing something of some, for some sort of fresh yes. air to in the middle of building up to this eclipse that's going to happen, these eclipses. You know, we have a natural trying to the south node in libra and we have this sextile that's happening with the north node and with you know with chiron and it, it's not particularly exact by degree but we're building up there but there's something to all of this it is you know and there's a different something a space involved a a, a stepping up looking mm -hmm. above like rising above it all you know and and taking a step off and you know from that detached point of view that's something there there, there's freedom we haven't used the word freedom here yet no, and, we haven't have we we haven't and it's like you know with this aquarius stuff and in the end it has to do with that freedom from this or that if you're affected by these degrees and relations or it's a different way of doing the relations in your life and, and there comes a freedom to that that's actually beneficial whether it's for the individual or it's for the whole or for a couple, you know, there's many different ways of looking at this. But if we're looking, uh, going back to the nodal perspective, you know, um, here we have open surroundings, not closed in, no, not closed off, right? Or at least the feeling of that. And because of that, if we're in those spaces, then we are able to look at things from a different place you know a different um viewpoint and very rational you know it's very rational let's be real but um I feel, that's why that's how progress happens i think i feel like yeah. progress happens from rationality because we we stay where we are and we stay stuck and we don't move because the, a lot of times we're more in the emotional body or right. the emotional state or the comfort. It's like the objectivity and the rationality that comes in that's like, oh, you know what? No, actually, this is the right thing to do. Or I need, you know, like, like it's very six of swords uh, activity where it's like, you know what? It just is what it is. And I see it like that. And I've got this science mind and it's time to just move on to the, the next yeah. thing. 
there's and there's huge benefits to that, I think. And let's say in, in people's personal lives, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, from a bigger mundane perspective, it might not solve the bigger issues at hand yeah. or whatever, where a, a lot of times rationality has got us there, we could say in some yeah. instances, right? But if we can't get rid of rationality, you know, there's these major movements you're seeing out there with these tech bros and stuff. They're all super high rational mind where it's almost religious, dogmatic, mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. leading the apps in the future of this. That I'm a little worried about because it seems like it's not connected emotionally. Well, but if I think about within, right, yeah. Yeah. If I think about within, within one's own life, usually a lot of times when we don't have the benefits, you're not a privilege, you're running on emotion constantly, you're, mm-hmm. you're stuck in situations. So, you know, with this, can you get to a place of like, you move through the emotional content, you know, let's say even within the last three weeks when we had the Leo full moon happen, you know, with mm-hmm. Chiron there, right? We did this journey. At this degree. Yeah. Yeah. At this, exactly. Thank you. I didn't even think about that. At this degree, and Jupiter was at that degree, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. here we are now, and maybe after that processing that we did, we are able to take the rational look and make the rational choice, which is healthy. The balance between rational and being healthy emotionally, you know, you, they work hand in hand. They do. Optimally, right? Optimally, yeah. they do. So, mm-hmm. you know, from again, to go back to the nodal perspective and relational activities and Aries self, me, and then re- relating with other Libra, you know, there is something here. Yeah. So... And so we don't quite get there till Pisces season, but I just want to, no. I couldn't help but introduce that because it's such a component to the resolve and the change and the, the Plutonian activations that happen to get to this point, which is important to be aware of so that we're in that moment that we see the bigger picture of what is happening on, you know, on these and these cycles between these personal planets that like Nicholas was saying is are huge to our experience in life. Like that, this is what we are most in tune with because of the personal nature. Yeah. If, you know, if we were to take the thing that's coming to mind, we mentioned freedom, right? And then mm-hmm. we're also going to mention the word boundary and what mm-hmm. that means. And, you know, a lot of times we're, we're freedom supposedly comes because we burst out of the boundaries or we tear down boundaries. But in the end, we can't re- we can't forget that that Aquarius is Saturn ruled, and yeah. you know it. There is a new type of structure and boundaries. There's the way of doing boundaries that is healthy that does create freedom and yeah. space for things to work for an individual to have their their autonomous freedom selves. And then when they're interacting in a relationship or the community, or whatever, that there's a certain type of Saturnian structure that's involved that enhances that for everybody else. And you're still interacting. So it's not like sometimes people in certain situations, they break off and they're solo, solo. And I get it. Right. But if we're talking about other ways of doing things with others, you could still have a new type of structure and boundary that still gives you freedom and space, not for yourself, but for other people. That is the hope, at least, like a way of looking at it, you know, uh, not to forget the Saturnian part of it all. Yeah. I mean, the boundary just draws the line. It draws the line yeah. or removes the line. It's like there's I, a, it's just the concept of the boundary and what that mm-hmm. looks like. Boundaries can be very freeing. Boundaries can be the if anything, that's how freedom is created, because there is a new boundary <laughs> that disrupts the boundary that was limiting. So you, you, for instance, we're in a relationship, not you and I or somebody else, right? And we're, we've gotten through some tough stuff and, and I reacted emotionally one night in an argument. 
right? And here's this thing of learning. And then it comes to the next time of talking and relating. Let's just, we're taking the nodal perspective here. And mm-hmm. it's just like, and I was emotional, but I was felt in the right of stating what is affecting me, what I'm feeling, what I need. And then we process and we get to the next point in the conversation where hopefully it's calm and chill. And we say, we're going to meet at this moment at this table. And these are the rules in the sense, like I'm, we're going to listen, you know, these rela- types of healthy relational techniques, mm-hmm. and but we're doing things differently. We're trying. And so it's at that point where let's say I stated, I stated hand like, you know what? And in order for me to feel like this means something, I feel safe. These are some of the things that make that for me, I need as a person in a relationship, right? Person hears me out, vice versa, right? And then can, can, can it be worked out after that? So in a sense, that boundary, it's a new line that is drawn, or I need this line it's not to separate from you per se, but it's so maybe we can have this and grow make together, it work. make it work. And so it's like, but, but it's, I came across rationally at this point. I'm not yeah, coming yeah. across heated. Oh my God. I had this right. exact scenario that you're talking about this moment, uh, this morning. I had this exact scenario with my partner and it had to <laughs> like the fact that we're talking about this is a little ironic to, to me, which, um, I'll just I'll just share real quick, uh, just because I think I think it's important to share your shortcomings and your vulnerabilities with other people to let you know that you you know you're not alone. But basically, I had a I had a lot to do this morning. I had to get to the chiropractor, Mercury Square, and Neptune, and I had the short window to get to the chiropractor, get back, get set up to talk here with Nicholas today. And then my partner comes in and he's like, he's like, hey, can you take that those lamps? Those lamps that he bought on a whim that I told him not to buy because he would probably weren't going to work out. And now he wants to return them. And now it's my responsibility to take them back to the UPS. Uh, and he's like, I'll send you the thing. And, I, and because the UPS is near the chiropractor. But in this particular moment, I don't have time for that. Even right down the street, I do not have time. And I was like, I know there's going to be delay at the cap at the chiropractor. And so all, what was happening is because I'm someone who likes to help. Even though I have a Capricorn moon, I have a hard time saying no. I have a hard time like saying that this is the boundary because if I say no, then, you know, this is my square to Pluto and Libra, then maybe they won't like me or the situation will be like, oh, so what happened is he asked me to do this and all of a sudden I just got angry. I'm like, I I was angry saying I would do it, saying that I couldn't rather than being like, you know what? I actually have a lot to do on my plate and I can't do it right now which would be like the calm, rational way. But instead, he just got up. He's like, I'm walking away from this. And I had time to think about it. And I I was like, oh, yeah, I did come in hot because I was just angry that I couldn't set the boundary with him and with myself. When all I wanted to do was set a boundary, I had every right to. No one's, it's not my responsibility. I could help if I can. And if I can't, that's okay, too. And then I realized tomorrow I'm going to Petco to get cat food. And there's a UBS right there. There's a solution. But because I came at it from the reactive emotional state, that was, that was, but that was the learning lesson, right? That was, I had to go through that moment, which by the way, the sun is on my moon right now and scoring my Pluto in (laughs) the skies. So I'm learning it. The moon, I'm in a moon perfection year. So it's a ripe moment, but I got that learning lesson that is bringing home exactly what Nicholas was just talking about is the reactionary response versus the calm, cool, collected, let's work from this, you know, in this space where we can kind of come together, but still have boundaries and own them. Um, 
And so anyways, I wanted to share that story because it really no, is I, all about how you come at it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I'm glad you did because we're, we were looking, we're looking at so many weeks ahead and you're talking about the story of yours right now. And it's like, let's just say in one ways too, like from, from today's we're recording this and we get to that point in that time in the chart there when Mars and Venus are conjunct is like sometimes too that, Aqu that Capricorn story into Aquarius is there's that um, just amazing, fascinating tie-in that's Saturnian. And mm -hmm. so in the end, it's like there, there is a reworking or a redefinition that Saturn brings here in the end. And it just come, it's just different how it works in, in Capricorn to Aquarius. And so a lot of times that that newness or ingenuity or a different way of doing it, or it's like we're living in a mansion. This is my side of the mansion, and this is the your side of the mansion, and then there's the meeting place in between, right? And and you know, can we get have this we still have the structure in the space but we're still tied in together and mm -hmm. but and in between space these are the the kind of the way the uh mute the the place where we are trying to be rational and come to where we're heard each of us are heard you know and i think all of us i mean i deal with this constantly too you know in relational activities and stuff but that's why inherently too on a personal level i was psyched for the for these planets in aquarius to move through pluto and then to, for for Mars to do it first, then Venus, then they have the conjunction. Yeah, it's like there mm -hmm. was things that were unearthed or came from the from the from the bowels yes. there of Pluto the of truth, right? <laughs> the the bowels of truth and the secrets and the manipulation and the power, but also too the the hyper focused uh, awareness, the mm -hmm. investigative quality of Pluto and what it can bring, and then bringing that then to the table. Then Mars and Venus have a little. They have a connection. They go, okay, you know, we just went through Pluto. Like, you know, we just we, went through hell. We now just went what through are we gonna... Like now what, what is this though? But there's something that's definitely not the same anymore, right? It, exactly. It's completely renewed and regenerational and yeah. whatever. So can we bring this in the way we relate to ourselves and with other people? And do we see the insights there that Mercury being in the Aquarius too can bring? And from the rationality, Saturnian part of it all, you know? So, you know, I, I trying to be uh, here with this, uh, and I'm glad you gave your example. You know, you caught yourself. You saw it. You go, I oh. saw it. I was like, mm, guilty as charged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, but, but at the same time, it's not like you you let it go. You're like, no. oh, wait a second. You it know? was my learning lesson. Yeah. That's the whole purpose of, of what we experience. The, the karma is the continual reaction. You know, the, the, we get to learn from it um, and, and repair it. And so... Uh, yeah. So that's the end of Aquarius season, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so Aquarius season brings us to this point, uh, and is a potent one at that. And so of course this brings us to, uh, the moment Nicholas tried to prepare for as we started, but I wouldn't let him is the, if you had one word to oh. describe Aquarius season, what would it be? Kinky? Inky, what is that? I don't that know mean? why it has nothing to do what with what we just talked mean? about. We just talked about it. it, has nothing to do with it. I just went Venus, Mars, and Aquarius in my head, and that's the word that came up. So we forgot that part of talking about Venus and Mars and Aquarius because it could definitely be that. Oh, kinky, <laughs> yeah, kinky, yeah. I thought you said inky, and I was like, inky. No. I no, was no, like, no, like, uh, like that kinky, yeah, kinky with a K, yeah, kinky, kinky, kinky with I'm a K. sorry, that, I shouldn't pick that as the whole forecast as my. Yeah, we didn't even talk Maybe about it. I mean, at the end. At like, the end. I mean, even go. Venus and Aquarius conjunct Pluto, Mars, 
Aquarius conjunct Pluto from that point of view, it can just be wild. But yeah. I want I want to I want to play off yes. the validity of your word, actually, though, because kinky, we think of kinky, you know, you're like kinky. <laughs> yeah. But kinky is also, I think of like all these squares and like ah. when things are kinked and right. there are these like these points of difficult passage or turns or you know that that we have to go through that it's not straightforward it's not easy flowing but it, there's a kink in it there's a blockage and how do we you know move uh, or make the changes or turn the corner of from the blockage to the continue you know continuation right. no actually that is really good Mel, I don't know if anybody's catching this right now about you. They've been watching you or listening to you for a long time. But just since I've known you, you're really good at picking things up like that and, and transferring. And I know you do it in tarot too. So, but yeah, that is, I didn't even think about it that way. But if we think about the types of movement and forwardness of what's happening, it doesn't sound straightforward, is it? Uh, it's always right? it like isn't. kinky and, fixed. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, you're right. Like I see that like, Sort of saw wave mixed with more whatever. Kind yeah, of very thing saw having, wave. Yeah, very, very saw wave, and then and like and then a very like square just wave. To, <laughs> yeah, and then but but trying to work it out, and then part of that is can be very challenging for some, like because of the transition. Because at first my word was going to be forward, right? And it's true. There's a forward motion here. I, I just think in any liminal space, when we're especially a Plutonian space, where we're going from here to there and these other planets. It, we're talking about it here and looking at transits, but if we talk about real life, for many, it could, you know, it's changing, you know, you're moving forward, but it's not so straightforward. No. And especially if something is new and eccentric and unconventional from Aquarius keywords coming in, that doesn't necessarily mean it's clear and straightforward. It, it, mm -hmm. it can be, it will be, but you're absolutely dialed in. Okay. You right. know, I see in my head, I, I see like doing the robot, you know, like the, the dances <laughs> where they're like, you know, yeah. all the, kinky kind of 80s like, b-boy <laughs> robot dance yeah totally yeah yeah so i thought i you know what i find that word uh as any gemini will put out there you know it has multi levels it has many meanings that we little can... did i know what level no you, you didn't know <laughs> you you you, yeah. you threw it out your your subconscious threw it out and that's where we that's where we got. Uh, so I really like it, actually. It's it's very fitting. Double entendres. Um, do I have a word? Do I have a do I have a word? Mm, a lot of words have been said. Do I have a word? Uh, I don't know. I maybe I'm just playing off kinky, but for some reason, the word disjointed came into my uh. my head. Whatever that means. I mean, dis. Feeling disjointed, it kind of talks about what we were alluding to earlier in many occasions of feeling like off and the importance of that. Because when we're feeling on, it's nothing changes. So maybe yeah. there's this level of feeling disjointed or disconnected or off in some way that is part of the process of what we're going of how it's, how it's changing and how it's turning and how the, the lead up remember of what we were talking about coming in spring yeah. and how it's important to go through 
yeah, what what is off or disjointed in order to find the solutions or find the reform or to make the the change um, in order to move forward. Because we don't want to move forward when we're like, yeah, it's only right here. <laughs> you know, I think about the, the line, the normal line again. Mm-hmm. And then like you and I are standing in a normal line and like, you're like, Nicholas, I got to, I got to bail. Like, you can't be here. Jointed, like you just jump out of the normal line. Like it's tangential. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, cry, like, okay, I'll talk to you later. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bail this way. <laughs> like, I, I got to do my thing. I know you're going to go do your thing. I'm going to see you later. Like, but we're not standing in this normal line. Right. And, and so that energy, that thing, realization of that, too, that's one thing when you said disjointed, too. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about like, oh, I got to break off. Yeah. I got I to. There's that feeling of it, you know, whether someone yeah. likes it or not. <laughs> Unhinged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, (laughs) that's yeah. So, excuse me. I think our conclusion here is that Aquarius season will be eventful (laughs) on on many levels, Um, and it's going to uh, pit us against all the elements in different ways. And so we get to experience all these levels of being and how those come together, how we allow them to when they're not what we do in that space. Uh, and essentially there is, I guess the, I guess I'll add one more word evolution. (laughs) Yeah. That's really all I got to say about that. Yeah. We're, um, I think I agree with you and I, we're, we're walking through, we're walking through, we have a space and time at the, towards the end of this year, October, September, October ish, we're, you know, Pluto will go retrograde, but go back to 29 degrees. The total mm-hmm. amount, it's at 29 degrees. I think it might be 10 weeks or something yeah, it's like not that. Long. Not long. And then, you know, we're going to have just one little hint and then boom, we are, we are through and we're in the Pluto and Aquarius story. But I think here with this month and stuff and word evolutions, like we're there. It's, it's now it's on, you know, so it's bring on. it, let's do it. No bring choice. It. Come on, let's go. Woo. Bring your soapbox, Mel. I'll bring mine, okay? All right. We'll we'll link up soapboxes. We'll uh, <laughs> sell the people the uh, not the snake oil, but the uh, the the real oil. So it's yeah. Anyways, anyways. Gosh, I feel that I foresee that in my future. I always knew that I would be a soapboxy person, but I really, um, I really find the push and pull where that's not comfortable for me, or I don't want to test those waters, or I feel like the the disjointed where like I, especially in today's world, it's very, what you say and what you do is very contentious of like how things can be received. Um, and I know that's a whole thing in, in itself, but uh, I, I hope that because I find that and that's why I have such a hard time with social media. These are my truth serums coming out. Mercury and Neptune is just like rolling right now. <laughs> but that's why I have such a hard time with social media because I try to connect with it and share on it. And but then I find myself sharing from an old program. I'm mm-hmm. sharing from an old and then I think I'm excited to do it. And then I do it and I'm like, this isn't right. Or like that's a was a waste of my time or what's the purpose of that? Or like and then there's all this other authenticity that lives within that's more challenging and more potentially disruptive as my, you know, Uranus on the Ascendant can be. Uh, and so I 
the like I feel personally that my next incarnation of what voice is to to be shared is dancing this line. So I'm very curious how this will affect my my own my own reality. And I'm sure yeah. other people feel the same way. Oh, I think that. I think it's been brewing for a long time with the way people are fed up with certain parts of social media. It's not working the way it used to be before from a more top level view. But in the end, too, I think you're talking about authenticity. Yeah. You know, and 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 you're giving. You know, a lot of times people are in the quote unquote normal line, and they all they get to a point where they're called to something. It, it hits them in a certain way, and they do the break off, or they change something that they have to fulfill. They have to. I have to say this. I have to do this, or else I'm not being true to me. Mm-hmm. You know, inherently, mm-hmm. that is the Aquarius archetypal story. That, that that's the thing. You know, and so you know it. it it's for whatever it is for you, Mel, or for for me or anybody else on a cultural level and stuff, it's been brewing for a while. It's very obvious. And from a technological view, we see a lot of transitions, the old social media, old ways of the web. We know we're not working like they, they did before and we don't feel quite right in because we're trying to do certain things through it. Like you said, and it doesn't fit still, still, still doing it, but you know, you know, do and it. So, and you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> right, right. And then I think on a mass level, people are feeling that. So it's an inherent, it's an inevitable that something we know the shift is happening. But again, it's it's a, in the end, it always comes back to where one is standing within themselves and what yeah. that is. And I, you know, I tell people, and I don't care political party, I don't care anything about that. To me, it's like if someone is finding themselves, they know that something has to shift and change. And then there's the distractions that normally have come in that throw you off on your mission, goal, your vision or whatever, regardless of if they're coming from your best friends, your family, your crew, the the TikTok, whatever it is, you know, to remind yourself of sticking to your game yeah, and being true to yourself and being authentic. And the fun part of all this is knowing that and then trying to take action through it. And this is where creativity and the ingenuity of mm. let's say a Pluto and Aquarius and and that willing to be unconventional and take the risks to break off where if you use that in a creative way, it can be fun and exhilarating. And and Matt, just it's just like anything that new, something new that comes into one's life that you've never tasted or seen before, whatever that touches a part of you, your heart and your mind that you've never encountered within yourself and how exhilarating that is and how then the world is new again and opens up that place. That feeling is everything. And so it's like, you know, can one this year, even in this month that we're talking about, catch that, right? Catch that for themselves. That's so funny you say that because the word that came to me before disjointed, but I chose not to use was magic. And I think uh, what you're describing right now is that magic that mm -hmm. happens when all that, that all aligns for a person in their process yeah. and their evolution. And so, and yeah. Part, and part of that place you're talking about, that sweet spot is when you're there and you know it to be true to you. You mm-hmm. know it's everything. A lot of the times and beginnings of stories and themes like that, the people, no one's going to understand. Maybe a few. Why are you doing this change? What are you doing? You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, you're not going to understand or people don't get it, you know? And that is a lot of what Aquarius people or Aquarius planets, people deal who have planets and Aquarius deal with constantly 
because they need to break off or they're trying to stay to their authentic selves and they need to search for something new and walk this other way. And a lot of times it's the people or society and culture doesn't get it. Like you weirdos, like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. and that's their own. It's some you have to remember that's some, uh, everybody else's reaction and the peer pressure and the stuff that comes from the groups and people that come at you. And then one has to have Saturnian discipline to stay on their weirdo path. Yeah. And if the closest people to them don't get it, it's like, I got to do this. And wow. if you notice along the way, mm -hmm. there's people that you come out of the blue or situations that are aligned with that, you walk that way. You know, you're like, oh. Because right. they're out there. They're out they're, there. They're out there. Yeah. And I think I think one of the things we never said in the beginning was the fact that Aquarius season, the sun in Aquarius, is the sun in its detriment. Exactly what you're speaking. There's the exile that mm -hmm. is part of part of the process. Um, and how in order to shine, to be the light, you have to be comfortable with with the distancing. Have yeah. to be comfortable yeah. with the separation. You have to be, yeah. And when uh, you're ready, you go that and you become comfortable and you go through the trials and tribulations of being all quote unquote alone in certain situations like that. You do need meet new people. And with time, uh, with the stubborn fixedness of Aquarius, you know, stick into the game, your own new game. People do come around maybe who just pushed you off or banished you actually or ghosted you. You know, like next thing you know, you come around and then they have their moment. And then they're like, oh, you know, they all of a oh, sudden they're it. walking around and you see the metaphorical light bulb above their head. And then they're like coming to you. And I'm like, hey, man, I've been waiting for you. <laughs> just like, you know, like now let's do this. So it's like if we think from a culture perspective, from a political perspective, where we're going. I think a lot of this, this, this thing that we're like ending your, this podcast with is what people have to have with themselves. Yes. You know, this personal revitalization, this personal moment of, of like, wait a second, this is, I need to be authentic to me. This is what's calling me, you know, down the line. This is where it gets interesting is culture and community. If we're all having these moments in our own little timelines. And then the, what is the thing that then brings us into the town square then at that mm. point, right? Because then we made the moves for ourselves, right? And then we come to town square and then we're hooking up. Now that is a whole nother deal. And, but that is coming our way. That is coming. Coming our way. And, and first things first, you know. First things first. Ah, oh, I love it. Yep. All right. I think we did a bang up job yeah, on Aquarius season here. Uh, so what do you got going on? Where can people find you? Tell us more about YouTube. Tell us more about those live streams, the live stream King. I am, uh, crowning Nicholas with that title. The live streams on YouTube, Sparkles of Gold Astrology is my channel. I do that. Sometimes I don't plan on, sometimes I will. I'll be more organized this year. Hopefully I have more regular edited videos, book reviews, and I'm bringing some more people on my channel. Hint, hint, no. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah, so there's that. My website, sparklesofgold.com, which will be changing too. Talking about change. I got oh, implementing change. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Uh, there's that. And my podcast that comes along with that. Um, I will be actually in an interesting event. I was invited to uh, the middle of March, the weekend of the 15th or 16th in Tucson, uh, Cosme Astrology. Um, there, It's a brick and mortar astrology wellness studio. Oh, run cool. by uh, um, uh, Lisa, I got to make sure I get her name, Lisa Warman. She invited me. 
So I'll be doing a podcast talking about the April transits with a live studio audience. Um, I'll, in, I want to come. Yeah, in Tucson in March. And so um, that's one thing. So if anybody's listening in that area, Tucson, you come by a weekend where it's going to be in this beautiful room, great studio space. This astrologer is created to do sound baths there and they do yoga, all types of stuff. So I'm going to be there for that. And uh, that should be interesting. So that will be interesting. That's your, and you'll get the sun you just, you, you desire so much. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll definitely go check Nicholas out. You, if you haven't watched his live streams, they're, they're, I, I guess the only word I can use is transcendent. He'll, he'll take you somewhere. They will take you somewhere. You'll be on the Nicholas uh, boat for. <laughs> they're totally Gemini Aquarius, they're, actually. They're, they're, they're very Gemini Aquarius. Yeah. 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 Um, but definitely go, definitely go check them out because it's not just about astrology. It's but there's a lot of other things going on there. It's a it's a hybrid of experience. Yeah, it's it's like opening up my mind in front of everybody, and it's just like and when I realize what I'm doing, like, did I just say that or do that? And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so, it reminds me of that I, like ministry song. Uh, oh no, no, never mind. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a mind is a terrible thing to taste. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, I got I want to listen to that album. It's Anyways. actually a, a a to be honest, to end it this way, the, the live streams that I do in YouTube and what I continue to do, what I'm going to try to do on social media is to push the boundaries. It's for myself. It that's the reasons why I don't plan on going live and I just press the live button. People show up because I'm pers on a personal level in my cave here start, I'll lose myself. I'll lose my mind. I'm like, I don't feel right. I need to do something. And it's that thing in me, my moon and my Mars and Aquarius and North. I got to break, man. I got to, I got to, I got to do something. Why I got to do something. Man. And I get that feeling and touch the lightning, you know, and that's why I do it. It's like, and it's pushing myself constantly. It's every single thing I'm doing is an experiment. And it's to try to push myself to the edge, to try to keep breaking off. And it's just pent up ideas and energies for years. So if things go the well the way I want them to this year with the live with live streams, more visuals, more sound, being more surprised and freaky, but also bring in my pals like you, Mel, for you know, bringing in and 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 talking and interacting in a way that's authentic, normal, and authentic. <laughs> that's right. So anyway, thanks oh, for letting me it. say that part again. I know. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And really, Nicholas has uh, inspired me to test the live stream waters, which I've done a couple of, um, and I want to do in the future because it's, it's really fun. I mean, I think that's a, a part of the Leo Aquarius access is like, you know, my Leo planets want to perform. They want to, you know, to share things and be creative and talk about this and, and you got to do that with people. And so there's something beautiful about showing up and then having, having an audience and, um, just connecting, just connecting in the space of live and real time, because it is, there's, there's, there is an electricity. There's that juice that, that just you feed off of each other. And it's a, a lovely place to be. So I look forward to doing more of those. Um, but yeah, so if you need to find me, I'm over at energeticprinciples.com where you can book consultations. I know Nicholas does consultations as well. If you would like one-on-one, one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one attention uh, with some Aquarian and Uranian figures, <laughs> we, we got you covered. Um, once again, social media, it's a weird place for me. You'll find some stories. You'll find some weird posts that I like, kind of like, kind of don't. Uh, so don't expect too much, but I am there. 
And uh, and I'm always back with the podcast because I do love sharing this with uh, folks and bringing on like-minded people to discuss all this strange things that we call life. So, anyways, I'm getting I'm getting in that Mercury. I have Mercury Neptune is grabbing. It's I'm I'm the fog is coming. So we gotta wrap this up. So what else do I got? What else do I got to tell you? Well, if you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment below. Subscribe, like. Uh, share what, share what you think about this conversation about Aquarius season, about Pluto and Aquarius and get the, co get the conversation started. Uh, and if you're listening to the podcast, leave a review wherever you listen to it. Hopefully you like what you hear, spread the good word, share it with a friend, you know, all the, all that stuff. I think my spiel is done here. So we will, we, I love to, uh, um, refer to myself as more than one thing. I tend to <laughs> I tend to say we for just myself. So well, we you are a very like, complex individual with I am many a very... different layers of creativity. You're definitely we. There is a we. So we we would like to thank Nicholas for joining us on this podcast here. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and I can call you one of my dear friends. Um, uh, so thank you. Thanks. Thank you thanks, again man. for being you. Yeah, no, and thank you for having me here on the show, especially this one. And um, and uh, yeah, I know we're going to see each other down the line here real <laughs> soon. So Down the road. As we step out of the line, we will see each other on the other side. All right, everyone. Well, we wish you the best during this Aquarius season. Be true to yourself and uh, don't be afraid to, uh, to step out of line. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm -hmm.